Welcome to Government Lovebot. I'm Nick. I'm Dee. And I'm Tyler. And today, uh, we're the only podcast whose official stance is, uh, my bad. So, last week, I'm gonna be honest, boys, lads, I'm a bit disappointed with, uh, my persona timeline last week. I felt like it was a little info dumpy and, uh, not very fun. Uh, so I wanted to apologize for that being a little bit meh. And I want to confirm to everybody that this week it will be better and hopefully shorter. <laughs> Ideally shorter and hopefully also funnier. Um, because today we're going to, co- I'm going to cover the final part. Uh, and it's going to be a lot of the funny spinoff games. Um, and yeah, that's that's pretty much the, the dealio with this. Um, so I guess we'll just get right into it then. Um, so yeah. Uh, so yeah, just know that if you listen to last week's episode, you're like, wow, this fucking sucks. Uh, I know. I know. Don't I worry. thought you did okay. I yeah, I mean, good. like, yeah, I'm not going to say it sucked, but like, it definitely was... Um, it was weaker than I would have liked it to be, so uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do better this time. Uh, we're gonna have this a lot more succinct. But first, I gotta pull out the notes. Alrighty, bro's got the notes. Yep. So uh, where we last left off, while I uh, set up the screen share here, uh, where we last let off, uh, left off. We had just gone through the stories of Persona 3 and 4, and all those characters got uh, set up or what have you. Um, so now we're going to get into uh, side games. So tell me if you see this in presentation mode here, boys. Yes. All right. All right, cool. Um, all right. <clears throat> so... Now, the, the current year is early April 2012. All of, everybody's shudder now because nobody wants to remember their, themselves in 2012. At least I don't. Um, the world's going to end soon, guys. The world's going to end soon. Say. Yeah, you're right. You know, it's actually... We'll get there. All right? We'll get there. It's fine. <laughs> 2012 is a pretty chaotic year for, for Persona. So, we'll, we'll get there. Okay, so um, Naoto Shiragane, if you remember the detective from Persona 4... Uh, she's filling out reports regarding the events that happened in Inaba. This is early April 2012, so it's about a month or so. I think it's, it's like two weeks to a month since the game ended, like since Persona 4 had its ending, uh, its original ending. We'll get to that, too. Um, uh, she gets approached by a public safety officer um, who says that he wants her to investigate a suspicious government-funded group called the Shadow Operatives, he says that only Naoto can do it because he knows that she has a persona and she's like, uh, what? <laughs> and then she's like, okay, I guess uh, I'll accept that. And she's tasked with overseeing a cargo transfer that the shadow operatives are supposedly handling. Uh, so it's now May 1st, 2012, right? It's about a month after she takes his job. Uh, a plane with Mitsuru Kurijo on board, if you remember her from Persona 3. Uh, they're being loaded. Uh, she's on a plane being loaded with sealed cargo. It gets hijacked by suspicious hijackers uh, before it even takes off. Um, the passengers are held at gunpoint. The police are told to fuck off and let some random girl in a dress handle things. 
it's fine because it's Igus and she just wipes the fuck out of all these fucking hijackers in one shot effortlessly because she's a robot. I mean, imagine um, being a hijacker, being suspicious, and then getting fucked up by a robot. Yeah, just Doesn't a robot like just a, runs up and just kicks you in the face. Yep. Doesn't seem like a likely series of events. Like, are hijackers naturally suspicious? I think not. We know what they are. They're hijackers. <laughs> yeah, they just like... I think the funniest part about that scene has got to be when Igus walks up and tells the police to fuck off. And they're like, what? <laughs> they're like, what the fuck? I'm always doing this. It happens a lot, honest. Um, uh, while this is going on, Naoto spots a van hauling ass off the tarmac. She cuts it off and hits it with a tracker uh, because we just have those now. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, like a sticky tracker. Yeah, sure, whatever. Uh the we, it's learned that the van stole some strange, suspicious box. Uh, Mitsuru calls Akihiko, and they pursue the van. Naoto thinks that that means her job is done or whatever, and then she gets contacted by an informant named Kurosawa, which I believe is on the next slide. Okay, yep, here we go. Um, that's Akihiko. He does not wear a shirt anymore. We'll get to that. Um, Naoto gets t- contacted by Kurosawa. Kurosawa is a side character I didn't mention because he doesn't really matter. He's a police officer who sells children weapons in Persona 3. I... Oh. Yeah. Yeah, he just does that. He does that out of the police station, too. So, like, Kurosawa's a weird dude. Um... But, yeah. So, that's... That that happened. Can I say really quick? That picture... It looks like Naoto's about to drop... Like, drop some serious bars. (laughs) She probably is. Naoto is an anomaly in these games because she is a Persona 4 character that never hangs out with any of the other Persona 4 characters. Um, but yeah, we'll get we'll get there. Okay, so now uh, Teddy feels a disturbance in the sh- in the TV world, uh, and he hops over to check it out. Uh, a little early on that image, we'll get there. Uh, so now now we're back in in Inaba, right? Same it's same day, May first. Uh, Yu Narakami, that asshole with the gray hair, uh, he's coming home. He actually arrives back in Inaba a day early, and on the train he hears a strange rumor about the Midnight Channel returning. If you remember, the Midnight Channel was uh, that thing that people appeared on before they either uh, get kidnapped and or mysteriously die. Um, and he's like, "All right, for old time's sake, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna check it out and see if it works." And oh, uh, holy shit, it does! Uh, specifically, it airs a commercial promoting the P1 Grand Prix, which is a fighting tournament amongst high school students. Um, the host of the tournament is Teddy in his weird hat and cigar, looking like M. Bison, um, and and Rise, the the uh, idol girl or whatever. Both of whom are currently missing in the real world, and uh, that's nice. Um, this commercial plays every single time you like start up. Was like you have to play through the story mode as each of the characters, and it plays this cutscene every single time. To the point where I actually legit have all of it memorized, and for the sake of it, I'm not going to recite it here. I originally planned on it, but I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to tell you my favorite one is uh, Yosuke, who it's supposed to be Captain Resentment because he resents being in the boondocks, but they pronounce it Captain Ressentiment every single time, (laughs) and that cracks me the fuck up. He's French. Uh, so yeah, fuck the French. Am I right, lads? Is it, Obviously, is it, joke. 
is the commercial cutscene like skippable or is it just like no skippable? No, no, <laughs> no criminal. <laughs> no, it is not skippable. Um, and by the way, the only people on the commercial are the pe- the Persona Four gang. Uh, the Persona Three characters are not there, which is significant for later. Um, also, uh, Kanji falls asleep in his living room and he wakes up all groggy and he just trip falls into the TV. So. There's that. Um, <laughs> Just imagine waking up and reverse ringing into your TV. Uh, it's a, dude, just we're gonna get we're gonna get to what Kanji's doing. It's the best part of this game. Um, all right, so now it's the next day. Uh, I believe we're here. Yep. Okay. Uh, so now it's the next day. You, Yosuke, Chie, and Yukiko, which are the four there, uh, the original four group. Uh, they gather together to discuss the Midnight Channel. Here they just casually learn that Risei, Kanji, and... I wrote Risei twice, but it's supposed to be Teddy. Um, uh, Risei, Kanji, and Teddy are missing, and they decide to not call Naoto, who is a detective-slash-police officer, and tell her, your friends are missing. Because... Sorry. Sorry. I don't know. They're gone. My favorite... My favorite part is when you play through the game as each of the characters, you'll get like their inner thoughts during these scenes, which by the way, you have to watch the same scenes like three times in a row. No, they're not. Well, they are skippable, but like some things are different in them or whatever. Uh, the inner monologue at least is. Uh, but Yukiko literally thinks to herself, why the fuck are we calling her? She's a police officer. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they just don't tell her. And they decide to head into the TV and investigate. When they go, they get enveloped with light uh, and something happens. We'll get to it. Um, Akihiko, Mitsuru, and Aigis, meanwhile, track the van to a junkyard in Inaba. They meet with Kurosawa, you know, the guy who legally sells them weapons. Um, he delivers information about what happened in Inaba, the plot of Persona 4. Um, little do they know that Kurosawa has Naoto just waiting out of sight, just behind some boxes, uh, watching what's going on. Uh, the shadow operatives find a TV and they go inside. Uh, sensing the missing cargo in that world, Naoto is uh, is close behind them. Uh, now, one notable thing about these is that's too early. <laughs> I forgot to add the slide here. But uh, basically, the Persona 3 cast notably have their evolved Personas, but the Persona 4 cast does not. And this is what I was talking about like forever ago, and I was talking about how Personas upgrade kind of like how Super Saiyan works. And basically, the Persona 3 gang, because they keep working at like improving and fighting shadows their personas never devolve so they they stay in their evolved forms um it's like uh, whereas it's like in uh dragon ball z the cell saga when goku and gohan just are super saiyan in their daily life just exactly all the time because they whereas the the persona 4 gang they were they thought they were like just like done with this shit like they thought everything was just over so their personas just went back to their original form uh the three gang ends up being pretty much the only people who ever keep their evolved personas because they're the only people who keep at doing the shadow fighting stuff because it's their job. So now here we are. We're in the ch- uh, we're in the TV world now. Uh, Teddy wakes up in a closet. He busts out and meet a girl meets a girl named Miss President who seems unfazed by the TV world and he just wants to and she just wants to stop the tournament. Um, the rest of the four gang minus Nauto are thrust into the tournament. Uh, and they fight against each other. Two people meet. They're locked in by invisible walls. Only the winner moves on. They are instigated to fight by a special power that this evil Teddy has, where he can make each uh, person hear uh, 
the other person say fucked up shit about them, even though they're not actually saying it, and it drives them to fight. Um, and after the fight, the illusion wears off. So uh, now some some in, we're not going to cover all the in-game stuff because the once the in-game story happens, there's a lot of like questions about what's you know what's canon and all that stuff, what's going on. Uh, but basically, the main thing is that the shadow operatives, when they arrive in the tournament, because they're not supposed to be there, the tournament starts fucking up. Like the te- general Teddy starts like glitching out and shit um, because the shadow operatives aren't supposed to be there. Um, and then Teddy is guiding around Miss President, and the other guys are just basically fucking around. Uh, like, they're just fighting each other, um, and just running around this, like, building, or, like, this, like, warped version of their school fighting each other. So, uh, here you see, uh, some images of the chaotic gameplay. Epic gameplay. Pro Epic Gamer. Epic Gamer. Alright, so now let's talk about this. So let's talk about Kanji, right? Because Kanji's, Kanji's getting fucking crazy out here, alright? I don't Because like Kanji wakes... <laughs> it's pretty good. Kanji looks pretty happy there. It's his in-game model. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, he, he looks happy. Yeah. That's so, so here's what's going. So here's what's going on with Kanji, right? By the way, voiced by Matt Mercer. Just keep that in mind. Um, so he wakes up in the in the TV world, right? But he doesn't remember falling in the TV, so he thinks he's asleep. He believes that he is currently dreaming. Um, and as such. He thinks that this is all, like, fake. Like, it's all a dream. So he starts beating the shit out of all of his friends. Like, when he gets to a fight, he doesn't, like, be like, oh, I don't want to fight you. He's just like, oh, it's a dream. So he just beats his friends. And not, and not, not just beats them up. He beats them unconscious. Like, he beats the shit out of all of his friends for no reason. How to, how to reveal your friend's true desires. Fool them into thinking they're dreaming and then fight them. Yeah, he just wants to win this tournament because he thinks it's just a fucking dream. And the thing is, is that he has a gag ending, right? So, like, there's a joke ending and, um, like, a true ending or whatever. His true ending, I don't believe, is the actual canon one. I truthfully believe the gag ending is canon. And I have evidence later, which is why it's the Kanji conspiracy. But basically, the gag ending is that he goes through the entire story... And he never realizes he's not dreaming. Um, and the reason this is significant is because he bumps into Naoto and he has one of the most amazing lines ever where he says, Naoto, why are you here? Oh, wait, it's a dream. Of course you're here, which is just a really funny joke to me. Um, and he basically explains to her that he doesn't want her to use uh, honor fix, which is like the, the kun or chan that they put at the end of their name. Which apparently, according to YouTube comment sections and vague Googling, is basically asking somebody to be relatively intimate with you. Like, not, not necessarily asking them out, but just asking them to be an incredibly close friend. And Naoto accepts, and this is going to be significant for later, uh, but she only does this in the gag ending. And I have reason to believe that that is the canon one. Uh, we'll get there. That's, it's it's going to involve some dancing, but we'll get there. Uh, but yeah, so that's what Kanji does. Basically, uh, he thinks he's dreaming the whole time, and he's just running around beating the shit out of his friends. Um, <laughs> so, now, uh, Miss President uh, reaches the announcement room, and General Teddy reveals himself to be her shadow, and Miss President is revealed to be Labrys. If you remember all the way back when, Labrys was the version of the anti-shadow weapon that had the big axe and went berserk, uh, and they got sealed away. 
Uh, well, she's back, and she has a shadow. Uh, the shadow uh, <clears throat> is, like, running this whole tournament or whatever. Labra says, you're not me, as you do. Uh, fight ensues. She has this giant fucking bull monster thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, Labrus wins, accepts her shadow, and accepts, like, the trauma of having to, like, murder all of her friends so that she doesn't have to do that anymore. Uh, and she awakens to her persona, Arid Aridine? Aridine? Whatever. It looks cool. Um, but yeah, so there, there you go. Labrus awakens to that. cool design. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty nice. Um, so yeah, Labrus, uh, Labrus gains a persona. Uh, the investigation squad meet up. Kanji's freaks out because he realizes it wasn't a dream anymore. Um, the shadow operatives thank them for their help and offer Labrus a spot on their team. Suddenly she gets possessed by somebody cl claiming they're the ones that uh, threw Labrus into the TV. Everyone stops La uh, Everyone stops Labrus and they are then jumped by the shadow of the shadow operatives. They beat them and bam, they go home. Uh, Fuka also shows up and breaks the control that the culprit had on Labrus. The investigation squad agree to let the shadow operatives talk, uh, tr track down the true culprit, wink. Uh, the two teams go their separate way. Uh, Naoto goes back to the police station. Risei goes back to the city for idle practice or what have you. Um, so now it's, uh, yeah, we win. Uh, at this point, the plot of Blaze Blue cross tag battle happens. Um, this game isn't very good, and I don't want to talk about it, because it doesn't matter. They get their memories wiped at the end of this, as far as I'm aware, and even if they don't, they never mention it again, so it's not important. Just know that this is when that happens. It happens in between May 2nd and May 3rd of 2012. That's when this they happens. interact with the Ruby cast, apparently. Yes, they, yes, they do. Yes, they yes they do. I um, did think that those were Ruby characters. They are, in fact, Ruby well. characters. Yeah. It's Ruby and Weiss up, up top. Yep. 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 Uh, that game's weird. Anyway, uh, so here we are. <laughs> it seems like it. <laughs> yeah, so now it's, uh, it's, May, now it's May 3rd, 2012. Mitsuru, Aigis, and Akihiko receive an alert that there's massive shadow activity in Inaba. So that they grab Fuka and head there. They get ambushed by the culprit who wrecks their car and captures them. Labrus, who gets left behind for maintenance, is woken up by Kurosawa. Yeah, remember him? Yeah, police officer. Yep, sells people legal weapons. Yep, mm-hmm. Uh, he gets woken up and he says, like, oh, hey, public security is, like, raiding this place, so we should probably leave. Uh, so we got to get to the helicopter. So they reach the helicopter, who's flown by this girl right here, who is Mitsuru's totally not lesbian lover slash maid. Um, and they they bail out of there. Kurosawa stays behind. Uh, uh, so it's just uh, Labrus and totally not lesbian lover <clears throat> there uh, slash maid. So they need backup. So we fly to locations to pick up the rest of C's, uh, the rest of uh, the shadow operatives, which are Yukari, who is now the pink Power Ranger. Uh, and then, of <laughs> course, uh, Ken and Koromaru, who are just kind of like chilling. Like they're just kind of. Dog's back! Oh, we'll talk about the dog later. We'll talk about the dog, dog later. Time. It's significant. Um, they also try to pick up Junpei, but uh, Junpei is like his phone died and he was like, he fell asleep on his train. Thankfully, uh, when he woke up, he was just in Inaba because the train just stopped there. So, uh, good for him. <laughs> he, he made it uh, on accident. Um, so, Labrus calls Naoto and warns her that something's going on. Uh, meanwhile, at this point, uh, Dachi, you remember him? Mass murderer. Yep. Mm -hmm. He's shown in prison. He gets summoned to the TV world by a mysterious boy, Sho Minazuki. You remember that guy? Uh, all the way back when with Akutsuki for Persona 3. Um, he... 
uh, offers Adachi the ability to take revenge on the Persona 4 gang. Uh, Adachi says, yeah, sure, whatever, bro. Um, and then, at the same time, you, Yukiko, Teddy, Kanji, and Yosuke are all just chilling at home. Uh, and then the P1 Grand Prix commercial comes back on, except now it includes the Persona 4 cast, or the Persona 3 cast as well. Uh, and Teddy basically says, hey, yo, uh, in an hour, the world's just gonna end. Uh, sorry, sucks to suck, I guess. Um, this is always happening to me. It all, yeah, no, it always happens. It always happens. So, um, it, uh, then the commercial also shows that the shadow operatives have been crucified again. If you remember when they got hung up on crosses. Yeah. Oh, uh, they did that again. <laughs> Why does this keep scene, happening? I don't know, but this is the second time they've been crucified. Thankfully, the dog did not get crucified this time because he wasn't there. So the dog's good. Good. And that's all that matters. Good. Uh, so then suddenly a bell tolls, a red fog descends upon Inaba and a giant tower appears that we are going to call Tartarus 2 Electric Boogaloo, or Tartutarus, if you want to be very special about it. <laughs> but it is, it, is just, uh, it is just another Tartarus, but this time it's the Persona 4 school. Uh, this is a metaverse leak, by the way, as we talked about, the metaverse leaking into the real world. That is what's going on. Um, thankfully, all the citizens are safe because Marie, we, uh, the Marie, the, the chick who like, went missing and was in that bad Persona dungeon, uh, she is using her magical powers to basically keep everybody in a pocket dimension until they figure the shit out. Okay, so now plot happens. A whole bunch of plot happens. I have it all listed out here, but it doesn't really matter. Uh, basically, just um, all the characters are running around the town fighting off shadow versions of themselves, who which show Minazuki has summoned. Um, Ken swears that he sees Ikutsuki, the guy who died in Persona 3. Um... And then another significant thing that happens is Rise has has evolved her persona, kind of. So Rise has a very interesting persona. Her persona evolves, yes, but it doesn't evolve past Persona 4. It reverts to its original form, which is Himiko, as seen here. But in this game, she is overcome by like the urge to protect her friends, and it goes into battle mode, which is right there. Um, it has a fight mode, uh, which... Keep in mind that it can go into different modes. Um, but yeah, it has a fight mode. And it can also revert back to its navigator mode at any time. It is not like a permanent thing. Um, yeah. So, stuff happens. Stuff happens. Let's see what's next. Okay, we'll get to that. Um, yep, yeah, so a bunch of stuff happens. Uh, Minazuki gets annoyed with Adachi's lazy ass. Uh, because Adachi is, instead of taking uh, revenge, is just kind of walking around. Because Adachi's a lazy fuck. Um... So, each time that these people battle, like, each time a Persona user battles, it's chipping off pieces of their Persona, um, and it's gathering them at the top of Tartutaris for Sho Minazuki. Uh, Sho starts up his plan, um, which is to summon this dude, who is... Oh, it's, it's just fucking Onyx, but on fire. Yeah, uh... His name sure is... Here we go. Uh, his name is Kagutsuchi. He is the Will of Death from Inaba Residence. So if you remember, Nyx is like the Will of Death for the world. This is the Will of Death specifically from Inaba when the fog was covering the town in Persona 4. So this guy is the Will of Death from all of them. 
Uh, he's like, yeah, time to get fucked, homies. And then you is like, but I have the power of friendship, and now I'm friends with Adachi. You know the serial killer? Yeah, we're friends now. Um, and they kick his ass, uh, send him back to the Shadow Realm. Actually, they just straight up murder him. It's not really not. They don't even send him back to the Shadow Realm. He's just dead. Um, the day is saved. Uh, everybody has a party. Uh, Show Minazuki gets redeemed, kind of, where they say like, "Wow, you're a you're a good guy deep down because the reason you were all." sad about wanting to destroy the world is because you were lonely and didn't have any friends except for your split personality that sucks uh we're friends now but you're also under arrest because you just try to fucking murder everybody he's like oh shit homie my bad and then he runs away and you never see him again uh he's out there somewhere um so yeah uh he's a he's the he's a good boy i think i don't know not really um, <laughs> so everybody gets their endings. Um, I'm just going to run through them real quick. Junpei goes back to coaching baseball. Igis is happy again. There's not really anything significant there. Labrus is happy and now accepts that she's human or that she's like a robot and also partially human. Uh, Fuka goes back to college. Uh, Ken and Koromaru are just fucking around in school again. Akiko puts on a shirt for the first time in years and becomes a police officer. Uh, Mitsuru learns how to be friends again, uh, and the rest of the Shadow Operatives are just kind of, you know, they just kind of chill. Oh, Ken also quits the Shadow Operatives, and he says he will rejoin when he graduates high school. I almost forgot that part. But then the Shadow Operatives all go their separate ways. Yu goes back to the city. Uh, Kanji starts dyeing fabric for his, uh, for his like, mother's textile shop. Uh, Yukiko goes back to running, the ho- uh, running her, like, hotel thing that her family runs. Chie wants to be a cop. Yosuke wants to go to college. Risei's working on becoming an idol again. Teddy is horny. Um, Naoto goes back to being a police officer. Uh, and then these la- uh, this last one in the corner is just Labrys again. Uh, and then uh, Dojima is now buddies with his former partner slash serial killer Adachi because for some reason everybody really wants to be friends with serial killer Adachi. Uh, it happens. So that's kind of the plot of the fighting games, right? So... Uh, you know, everybody kind of gets their kind of gets their ending. But wait, there's more because if you played Persona Four Golden, which is the canon events of the game, not the original Persona Four, but Golden, it has a special epilogue. The epilogue takes place after the events of Persona Four in the summer of 2012, where you comes back and uh, oh wait, we'll talk about that in a second. And everybody gets really shitty redesigns. Um, so yeah, here you go. Uh, here's some shitty redesigns for everybody. They look bad. Um, but the one thing I want to talk about here, and I almost forgot about this, is, is Koromaru dead? I don't want to think about this. Okay, so, let me, let me go over this real quick. So, right, so Koromaru, as far, is, is an old dog. He's a pretty old dude. Um, he's not, like, a puppy when you meet him in Persona 3. And that was, like, years ago at this point. Um, so, they keep mentioning in Ken's thing that, like, in Ken's story... That Koromaru is awful energetic for an old dog. And if you look at the concept art for Koromaru in the game, you'll notice that one of the concept art is him with a wife and kids who look very similar to him. And at the end of the game, Koromaru just comes comes running out of nowhere or whatever and is like uh and is like super energetic. So my theory is that Koromaru is either old as shit or reluctantly to say passed away and he gives his power to his little dog children 
who basically just kind of take his place as Koromaru, and because nobody speaks dog, they don't really know that. So this is basically Koromaru Jr., not necessarily Koromaru. Fuck. That's deep. Yeah. I don't like this theory. I don't like it. Yeah, it's a sad theory. <laughs> I'm sorry that it had to be like this, but it is significant to bring up. Because the question remains of, you know, what's going on with this dog? Is it in presentation mode still? Yes. Cool. Yeah, so the question is, like, you know, what's going on with that dog? So the dog will always be around, because they'll just always keep doing that. Uh, so anyway, yep, uh, the Persona 4 Golden uh, epilogue happens. Shitty redesigns for most of the characters, especially Kanji. Look at him in the corner with the black hair. Yikes. I didn't recognize him at first. I don't like it. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. All right, so... Let's talk about the dancing game. Uh, so this is September of 2012. Um, Rise is uh, returning to her to the idol industry, and she asks her buddies to uh, join her in a dance festival called the Love Meets Bonds Festival. Uh, you and Naoto join her at the dance studio or whatever, and they meet a fellow uh, idol named, uh, in the bottom corner there with the twirly hair, uh, that is Kan. It's uh, Konami, K A N A M I, Konami. Uh, Konami is the idol who replaced Rise uh, when Rise retired back in Persona Four before she came back. Right. So uh, that's a uh, Konami Mash- Mashida who took uh, Rise's spot. Whatever. Uh, she has a group called Konami's Kitchen, which is like her little idol group, uh, and they mysteriously go missing. Uh, it's connected to a video that shows up on the Love Meets Bond website at midnight, which is basically just the Midnight Channel phone edition. Uh, uh, it's it's apparently the video on the Midnight Channel, uh, the Midnight Channel on the phone is showing a dead idol. So they check out everything that's going on, and they end up on the Midnight Stage, which is a world separate from the TV world they're used to. Uh, this is where a mysterious entity is using strange ribbons uh, and a weird song to force shadows to form bonds with her with, like, the, the monster who's controlling everything, effectively brainwashing people. Uh, and they're also in this world, significantly, they're unable to use violence. Uh, they cannot shoot a gun. They cannot swing a sword. The only way they can defeat the monsters is through the power of song and dance. Uh, yeah. As, the power uh, you of, know what? That's how I defeat all of my monsters. I it's just the power dance of, at them threateningly. It's the power of Boogie, you know? Also, this takes place after the golden epilogue, so everybody just gives up on their redesigns and goes back to their original designs, which cracks me up, because this is, like, a month later. <laughs> um, Alright, so the rest of the investigation squad show up. Significant is that Kanji and Naoto are much more awkward around them around each other in this game than they are in Arena, which is why I think Kanji's gag ending is canon, because those two get really awkward in the ending, because... You know, all that stuff I said about honor fix and intimacy or whatever. Uh, also, uh, they're, when they duo dance, like because each character, you can dance with another character. Um, when they duo dance, their duo dance is described as lovey-dovey. And they are also the only duo that can duo together in every song. Uh, proof gag ending is canon. You're welcome. Okay, so back in the midnight stage, right? Uh, Ochimizu... Uh, who was the Dead Idol's producer back when she was alive, is swayed by the voice, um, but brought to her senses by you and the other, discovering that the song, the song that's been hurting them, the evil song of the shadows, is actually a reverse recording of Kal- Kalistegia, Kalistegia, which was the last song 
made by that idol before she she killed herself, right? So the team discovers that the voice of the of the thing was the shadow version of Konami, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the reason, right? Um, okay. The reason why, right? Uh, she has this okay. is because she was actually uh, there, and she saw the idol commit suicide uh, when she was a child. Oh. When she came to visit the studio. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, that is pretty rough. Uh, they managed to save Konami and bring her to her senses. The Shadow Konami then reveals, her, reveals herself to be the God of Desire named Mikuratana no Kami. Uh, it bonds itself with the rest of the audience, determined to get their... Uh, uh, determined to get their feelings across and stop the evil monster that you see summoning there. Risei's persona turns into a fucking dance stage, which is the thing you see there at the bottom. That her persona turns into a fucking stage, and her friends dance the w- dance themselves so good that they murder God. Fuck yeah! Fuck, dude, that's that's what the power of dance really has to fucking offer. Like, fuck yeah! They, JRPGs have it all wrong. Yeah, exactly. Boogie. So yeah, they beat the shit out of him, uh, and then uh, Konami goes back to doing the festival, and she performs the song Kal- Kalstegia, uh, and you know, happy ending, everybody. Alright, so, <laughs> that was a dancing game. Uh, it's weird. <laughs> this is the only one that's canon, by the way. The other, the one for Persona 3 and 5, uh, they're not canon. As far as anybody's aware, they are not canon. So, only dancing game that's canon. You're welcome. Alright, so now, we're in 2013. A woman named Rumi, pictured here, uh, has her parents killed during a home invasion. Uh, in response, she goes into like a catatonic state kind of thing that's going on. Uh, her boyfriend, Takuto Maruki, is so distraught that he awakens his persona, Adam Kadmon. Uh, it's actually a previous version. Of, it's like a Adam Kadmon's the evolved version, but I, it's an easier name to pronounce. So, Adam Kadmon. Uh, he awakens to his persona, and he uses its power to rewrite reality so that Rumi's parents are alive, but because he used that power, memories of him are gone, so she doesn't remember him. But her parents are alive now, because he rewrote reality. Because he can do that. Just casually. Um, Yeah, just casually. Now, one thing to note is he's not summoning his persona in the real world, because if you remember, you can't summon your persona in the real world. He's not summoning the persona. He's just using its power, which is possible because Fuka can use her like telekinesis, like her like telepathy. She can use that in the real world despite not be like, despite not summoning her persona. So you can use their powers, but you can't summon them unless you're Jesus, like Tatsuya from Persona 2. Uh, that's really, that's the significant thing to know. Um, so now it's uh, that that was in uh, 2013. So now we're in 2014, uh, where a boy named Goro Akechi, uh he awakens to his persona after gaining access to the metaverse. Uh, he realizes that killing people's shadow causes apathy syndrome. You remember that? Yeah? Uh, he uses this to become a hitman for some bald dude named Masayo Shishido. Uh, what Shido doesn't know is that well, he might know, he might not know. You know, it's, it's left up in the air. Um, is that Akechi is his son that he had with a sex worker without realizing it, uh, and then like the mom the ki- killed herself. There's a lot of suicide in this part of the game. Um, whoops. 
yeah, so Akechi becomes a hitman for his dad because he wants to basically, like, you know, give his dad a bunch of power and then kill his dad. That's what he wants. He wants to take vengeance on his dad. So here you go. Here's Goro Akechi, his true outfit in the metaverse, because he because he's one of the people who their clothes change in the metaverse, uh, and his persona Loki. Um, so then... A cognitive science researcher named Wakaba Ishiki, pictured on the left here. Uh, she is, in, on August 21st, 2014, she mysteriously commits suicide by just suspiciously walking into traffic. Um, because her shadow was killed by Akechi. Goro Akechi. Yeah. Uh, she was researching the metaverse, basically. Uh, and then in May of 2016, or excuse me, late 2014, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, late 2014, Kasumi Yoshizawa is killed by a car. Picture there, you have a picture there with the bow in her hair. Um, she manages to save her sister Sumire. Um, Sumire is so devastated by this that she needs to go to therapy. Her therapy is her therapist is named Maruki. Maruki. Keep that in mind. Okay, so. Um, some douchebag named Ren, uh, Amamiya, he attempts to save a woman from being assaulted by a man named Shido in May of 2016. He hurts Shido, and then, uh, Shido pressures the woman into saying that Ren did it, like it's all Ren's fault. Uh, so Ren gets sent to Juvie, and then on probation, he gets sent to, to Tokyo to stay with some dude named Sojiro Sakura and live, uh, out his year on probation. Uh, at the same time, Igor's kind of like, all right, so Yen is like going to, Ren is going to be like in the Velvet Room, guys. Like, he's definitely going to be like going and fighting bitches uh, with the power of friendship, right? Uh, when suddenly he gets attacked in the Velvet Room. Oh. By that dude up in the corner, Yaldabaoth. We'll just call him Yaldi for short. Uh, he overwhelms Igor, replaces him by pretending to be him. Like, he beats the shit at Igor, locks him away. And then he pretends to be Igor, and then he rips the attendant, Lavenza, right there, into ha in half. Uh, the halves becoming Caroline and Justine. Uh, their memories also get fractured, so they don't remember that Yaldi is pretending to be Igor. Igor uses what power he has left to create a Persona user that he hopes will guide his guest uh, in his absence, which is Morgana, a.k.a. Mona. She has, uh, she, he has a code name. Um... Uh, I'll have the codenames listed. And his persona, Zoro, which is the second time we've mentioned Zoro since we've been talking today, and that's funny. So, like so that yeah. dude that gets lost in the real world? Yeah, exactly. The dude, yeah, the dude from One Piece? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, Morgana, a.k.a. Mona, and Zoro, uh, uh, he, his he doesn't have any memories because it was just, like, spontaneously summoned by Igor or whatever, uh, but he, all he knows is that he needs to help Rent. Uh, so now the plot of Persona 5 Royal happens. I'm not going to go over it. It's a long-ass fucking game. You should just play it, because it's fucking amazing. Um, but I am going to quickly go over the cast, uh, because, you know, it's fun. I like showing you the designs here. Uh, first, there is Ren Am Amamiya, a.k.a. Joker. He is the wild card, the main character, in his Persona Arsene, uh, named after Arsene Lupin, the original Gentleman Thief. Pretty nice. Uh... uh so, so he's he's the Joker, the Joker baby. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, the, yeah. he's the yeah he's the Joker. He's the uh, what is this? The third Joker in Persona? Yeah, he's the third one. Yep, that's about right. 
Uh, he has been joined. The dude that dresses as a bat all the time. Yeah, he's always fighting some dude dressed as a bat. Uh, it's really weird. It's only on Saturdays. Um, <laughs> so then he's joined by my personal favorite Persona character, Ryuji Sakamoto, aka Skull, and his Persona Captain Kid. Uh, now you'll notice there it says AK Skull or Pipe in China. So let me explain. So there's a Persona 5 phone game coming out. It's made by a Chinese company. And China has some really weird censorship thing about skulls. Like they have a really weird censorship thing against skulls. And because of that, they had to change his name because his name is Skull. And for some reason, I cannot fathom, they decided to name him Pipe. And that cracks me the fuck up because like his code name is Pipe. Why? Why is it Pipe? I know that he wields a pipe, but call him like pirate or fucking anything pipe is a terrible <laughs> name but uh, about it's- either way Ryuji is a former track star who had his leg broken by his gym teacher and then had the leg break blamed on him uh, so he walks with a limp uh, he eventually gets over his limp but it is a traumatic injury uh, but he is uh, he's pretty much like a, an aloof uh, delinquent from society uh you know, and, you know, here he is with uh, Ryuji Sakamoto, uh, a.k.a. Skull and Kevin Kid. All right. Um, yeah, so then we uh, then they are joined by An Takamaki, a.k.a. Panther, and her persona, Carmen. Uh, she is, uh, she's from America, originally. She's born in America. That's why she's blonde, whereas Ryuji dyes his hair blonde. Um, and she is basically getting sexually harassed by a teacher. Uh, and then her friend gets sexually assaulted by that teacher uh, and attempts suicide, but lives. It's very, very traumatic. I'm not doing it justice, but it is a very, very, like, intense, but also, like, heavy, good part of the game. It's very, very, very yo, intense, yo, good part of the game. Seriously, though, fuck that guy. Yeah, fuck that guy. That guy is Kamoshida. He's a piece of shit. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, but she awakens her persona, um, Carmen, and she's kind of like a femme fatale. Carmen is literally the original femme fatale, according to the, uh, in-game background of it. So, uh, that's why she got the catsuit whip and all that. Uh, so yeah, so she's also a model, which is, uh, fun. Then they are joined by Yusuke Kitagawa, aka Matt fucking Mercer again. Yes, that's <laughs> Matt Mercer again. Uh, aka Fox. <laughs> aka Fox and his persona Goemon. Um, Yusuke Kitagawa joins when he finds out that his, um, his adopted father mentor in the artist world was basically plagiarizing a bunch of shit and kind of led to his mother's death. Um, so he joins, he's all, he's very strange, but, uh, he's a very artistic man with his katanas or whatever. Also, his ultimate persona looks like this, and I fucking love that, because that is Pimp Master Goemon, and I fucking love him. <laughs> uh, he's called Gorokichi in this mode, and I fucking love him. He's amazing. That's all there is to it. Alright. So they're then joined. It's, yeah, it's the pompadour. I think the pompadour is what does it, honestly. Uh, either that or the mesh shirt. Oh, yeah, his mesh shirt underneath there. <laughs> it's, dude, it's, it's, I love Gorokichi. Such a good design. Anyway, uh, so then they're joined by Makoto Nijima, aka Queen, and her persona Yohana, which is a fucking motorcycle. Uh, it is just a motorcycle. Uh, I don't like a- the head on the front of the motorcycle. <laughs> uh, the motorcycle when her persona evolves it transforms into like a transformer kind of thing so uh 
Makoto Nijima is the student council president, and her sister is Sai Nijima, who is a prosecutor. Um, and uh, she basically joins after being blackmailed by a mobster, uh, and it, uh, blackmailed by a mobster who wants her to become an uh, underage sex worker. It, uh, uh, part of the game's weird. I don't like that part of the game. But either way, point is, is uh, student council president, um, very smart, uh, almost gets blackmailed by mobsters, kicks their ass, has a motorcycle. Yeah. And then they are joined by Futaba Sakura, uh, Sojiro Sakura's uh, adoptive daughter, also the the actual daughter of Wakaba Ishiki, the, the woman who died, uh, aka Oracle, and her persona Necronomicon, uh, which is a tentacle UFO. Uh, she is the navigator, and she has an ability uh, that's notable where she can do a thing called reality hack, where she basically can, uh, like, hack the metaverse and, like, do things like swap your position so she can help you, like, surround the enemy or not be surrounded by the enemy or whatever. Uh, but she was a shut-in because she blamed herself for her mother's suicide. Uh, obviously, you know, she didn't cause her mother's suicide. Uh, and you change her heart in a dungeon or whatever, and then she gains uh, the ability to uh, be your navigator or whatever. The, the and you're joined by... Story, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but the crazier story would have been that she did, in fact, cause her mother's suicide. Yeah, no, she, she didn't, uh, thankfully. I mean, good. Like, I'm yeah. good. Yeah, I mean, this is the arc following up. Uh, Makoto threatened to become a mobster's underage sex worker, so... It's weird. Uh, that part of the game is like, it's it's like kind of good except for that part. Like the mobster stuff is interesting, but like that whole thing is uncomfortable. I don't like it. Uh, one of my dark. Game. It's one, yeah, like it, but it's like it's like weirdly darker than all the other ones. Like even the Kamushita stuff is never like portrayed. As like a lot of the bad stuff Kamoshida does gets implied, it doesn't get said. Here it gets said, and it's kind of weird. Um, I yeah, I don't. I like Makoto, and I like uh, like her story or whatever. But that part of the game is kind of has some weird stuff about it. But either way, then they get joined by Haru Kumura, aka Noir, and her persona Milady. Uh, Haru Kumura is the daughter of basically the owner of Burger King. Basically, I mean it's called Big Bang Burger, but it's the fast food equivalent in the Persona universe uh, of Burger King. Uh, her dad is killed by Goro Akechi during the main game uh, and she decides to join uh, originally because she wants to change her father's heart and then uh, her father dies at the hands of Akechi. Uh, whoops. Uh, she wields grenade launchers and axes. She's very fun. Uh, she doesn't get a lot of screen time in this game but she has a very like sadistic side. Like She's weirdly like <laughs> like, weirdly willing to murder people with an axe kind of thing. Very funny. Um, so then, we get to a point in the game where they have to change Sai Nijima's heart. If you remember, Sai Nijima, Makoto's sister. And the person who tells them they need to is Goro Akechi, a.k.a. Crow, and his persona Robin Hood. So this is Prince Akechi. Because uh, he's actually the Detective Prince, which was, uh, if you remember, Naoto's nickname. Uh, and Goro Kechi is disguising himself and giving himself a fake persona because he's also a wildcard user, so he can have multiple personas. 
Um, but he is disguising himself to trick them, and he successfully does. Yada yada. Um, this uh-huh. outfit's better than his actual outfit. So, at this point, when they're in size dungeon, while Ketchy is still Prince Akechi, before they find out that he's a traitor, this is when the Persona 5 gang gets sucked into Persona Q2. It has to be at this very specific point in time, because it's the only time that Akechi is Prince Akechi. Um, so this is when they get sucked into Persona Q2, um, and that happens, memories get erased at the end, yada yada. So, after the game is over, uh, is when you get joined by Sumire Yoshizawa, who uh, basically finds out that Maruki was rewriting reality to make her think that she was her dead sister, because she thought her dead sister was better than her, or what have you. Sumire eventually breaks out of that with the power of friendship, and she becomes Violet with her persona, Selendri, Selendri, uh, that one, basically Cinderella. Um, and yeah, so then you have to fight back against Maruki, who's trying to rewrite all of reality to make everybody like super happy, but they don't have free will, and all that stuff happens. Uh, <clears throat> and yeah, that's the that's kind of the epilogue thing. Uh, notably, Sumire does not want to be a member of the Phantom Thieves. She just kind of wants to exist, but she also wants to help stop Maruki from being super evil man. So that the plot of Persona Five happens. And then Persona 5 Scramble then happens, which is the... So 2016 through 2017 is the plot of Persona 4... Uh, plot of Persona 5, excuse me. And then... Um, um, <clears throat> so then it's about a month or two later, like that, that summer uh, after the game ends, the plot of Persona 5 Scramble or Strikers uh, takes place. Uh, and this is basically a uh, bunch of people are having their hearts changed, like, suspiciously. And the uh, like everybody's blaming the Phantom Thieves. They think the Phantom Thieves did it. Uh, but the Phantom Thieves are like, uh, bro, what? No, we're not doing that. And they basically have to travel around the country stopping the people who are doing it uh, and clearing their name. Uh, along the way, they gain access to Sophia, a.k.a. Sophie, and her persona Pithos. Uh, Sophia is an AI, an artificial intelligence, who, when they go into the metaverse, she'll appear in this, like, little human form. She wields yo-yos. Um, and she's basically a prototype of this thing called Emma, which I will explain in a little bit, but she has no memories or whatever, and, you know, she's, she's, like, their little AI companion. She's Sophia, aka Humanity's companion. Um, and they also get joined by... My original D&D OC, because I totally based it off this guy's design. Uh, so this is Enkichi Hasegawa, who is an, in, uh, an investigator who basically believes the fan of these when they say they're innocent. Uh, eventually, in the game, he becomes a wolf, and his persona is Valjean from Les Mis. Uh, his design is awesome. I fucking love Zenkichi. French? Yeah, I fucking hate the French, but I fucking love Zenkichi. He's the one, he's the good one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, so, at the end of the game, you find out that the thing that's causing all this, all the heart changes, is Emma, a.k.a. the false god Demiurge, which is basically this artificial intelligence thinking it's Yaldabaoth, right? So, Yaldabaoth gets shot in the face, he's dead at the end of uh, Persona 5, and Emma thinks that she is Yaldabaoth, so she is becoming a the false god Demiurge, um... She attempts to, uh, you know, do all the yelled about things of bringing the world to an end and all that stuff. 
gets wombo comboed by the gang, the fan of thieves or whatever, and that's it. Emma is defeated. The creator goes to like jail or whatever, um, and then you know everybody kind of goes back to their normal lives. So that's kind of where we're at in the Persona timeline right now. Is the world is fine for now? Uh, uh, Ren has Morgana and Sophia now who just hang out with him. Uh, Zenkichi goes back to his life. Everybody goes back to theirs. Uh, I believe Makoto and Haru go to college. Uh, An does more modeling. Ryuji goes back to track. Yosuke goes back to art. Yada yada. Um, so yeah, that's where we're at. Uh, last time anything happened was basically the summer of 2016, I believe. Um, so yeah, there it is. Uh, t- 2016, 27, or excuse me, the summer of 2017. I was mistaken. But the summer of 2017 was the last time anything happened in the Persona canon, as far as we are aware, to this point. Um, until these games come out, uh, which is Persona 5 Tactica and Persona 5 The Phantom X, that's the phone game. Uh, no clue what these are going to be timeline-wise. We have no, we don't know anything about them. But all we know is that Tactica is at some point after Persona 5 Royal, and Phantom X might not even be in the fucking timeline. So, we don't know. But the point is, is visits and starts nording everybody, indoctrinating <laughs> them with the key. Exactly. But basically, the point is, is where we're at right now is everything's all happy. Hunky Dory, the fan of these are still hanging around. Uh, that is the Persona timeline. Um, pretty straightforward when you look at it on paper. As chaotic as all the information is. Uh, yeah. There's, there's certainly a lot of, like, I always, the world's gonna end, or, hey, guys, do you mind if we just reboot it, and then it fucks everything up? Yeah. There's, there's well, a lot if you of remember, chaos. If you remember, right, all the way, way back when, when we were talking about, um, when we were talking about how, uh, you know, Philemon fucked off or whatever, right? Uh, left a power vacuum, so that's why all these gods are like, hey, yo, I'm gonna come end the world, and they're like, no, please don't, don't do that. Like, halt, wait. Yeah, they're like, stop criminal scum. Yeah, that's the first <laughs> on a timeline. Right Hopefully this part was less chaotic and more funny, because this was where the dancing game was. The dancing <laughs> game is funny. Dancing game is certainly something, and the fact that they are canon is absolutely wild. Oh, yeah. Nick, I think you need to tell me what else is wild. Oh shit, wait. It's that time? It's that time well, for you to tell me what else is really, wild. We're not really gonna cover it, but something that is wild in the vein of dancing games and fighting games spin-off that are canon. Kingdom Hearts, guys, it has a rhythm rhythm game, just like a straight up rhythm game that is actually canon and those bonkers. We're not That's gonna talk about funny. it too much. Put a pin in it. Yeah, Put it, a pin in it. Put a pin in it. Maybe we'll talk about it at some point if I actually play it. Full spoilers. It's the only Kingdom Hearts game I have not played at all. But something that is wild is the entire Kingdom Hearts fan base's view on Kingdom Hearts One. Because I was I was thinking about talking about Chain of Memories, but like I don't want to talk about Chain of Memories. I want something positive here. Because I would I would rant about Chain of Memories and the fact everything about that. But Kingdom Hearts 1 is absolutely phenomenal. It's where it started. It's where Kingdom Hearts got its start. 
with a random uh, elevator ride and a Square Enix exec meeting a Disney executive and going, what if we combined us? So, overall, if anybody has interacted with Kingdom Hearts, they know that widely Kingdom Hearts 2 is viewed as the greatest Kingdom Hearts game of all time. It Just is. like, so, so great. And I agree to an extent. It is by far the Kingdom Hearts game I have put the most hours into. So that that uh should maybe show something. But I'm here to to argue on behalf of Kingdom Hearts 1. Because goddamn, I I I truly think that it, it has the stuff to be the best. So uh Kingdom Hearts 1 versus Kingdom Hearts 2. Kingdom Hearts 2 is very very action-based. It's an action RPG in the sense of you have, like, stats and you you equipped items and uh, weapons and shit. But, like, overall, it's primarily an action game. Like, a lot of the mechanics from Kingdom Hearts 1 were taken and changed. The combat was made more flowy. Elemental typings were taken out. It, it, was, just, it was just made to be, like, the most fun Kingdom Hearts game to play. But in Kingdom Hearts 1, it is an action RPG in every sense of the word. Where you it's you know, it's not turn-based, you're running around attacking things, but it has things like elemental weaknesses. It has something that I really love and that never came back, tech points, which are basically just rewards for doing good. It's like, hey, use a fire fire attack on this ice uh, heartless. Good on you. Have some extra experience. We like you. And I just, I just think that that Kingdom Hearts really, really nailed the action RPG genre, and the the series as a whole has just kind of lost that since the first game. I actually agree with you. But. Fuck yeah, I we're on we're on a good track here. I it's like there's there's so much more thought and like I don't want to say effort put into playing Kingdom Hearts one. That almost makes it sound more like a chore. But compared to Kingdom Hearts two, three, or even the the uh, the like uh, mob the handheld console games. There, there's just so much more that you you do to be able to be great while still having the option of you could just press A to, you, or X to win. You could just wombo combo. It makes full use of, of things like summons, whereas in other games, summons are pretty much just attackers. Like, they just, you summon them out, and they do a cool thing, and they attack, and it's great. In Mars 1, you have summons that or like uh, Bambi, who runs around, and I'm pretty sure he tosses out like HP and money, which is just wild. Then you have Dumbo, which p tosses out MP orbs and not money, just MP. That's great. Where does Bambi get money? I don't the know. Money store. What'd you say? <laughs> the, the money store. The money store. The, the money store. Maybe Bambi finally got revenge on that hunter. Took all his money. He sued him in a court of yeah. law. I was gonna say that Bambi just hacked his bank account. <laughs> <laughs> I like Bambi. the idea of Bambi taking some random dude to court. 
<laughs> and winning. Just, just Ladies and gentlemen of the court, suit. this motherfucker shot my mom. I'm just imagining, like, it's a random-ass deer that's dressed up in a suit, and it's like, all right, so... What is what is your reason for for suing Mr. Hunter Johnson? And then it's just <laughs> All right, all right. That is very solid, <laughs> compelling argument. What I do you have to say idea. in your defense, Hunter? <laughs> like I like the idea that all it does is screech and the jury goes, I'm on their side. <laughs> I'm, I'm with it. Fuck that guy. <laughs> The jury of our peers is just fucking like nine deer. <laughs> nine woodland creatures. It's bullshit. Dreams Thumper's break. there. Thumper's the goddamn judge instead of a, a mallet. He's he's slapping the fucking the the spot for it and he's like, Order! Order! We need order! And Bambi's just there. Nah! Dr. Doolittle do, uh, uh, overseeing this case. <laughs> Holy shit! That's so no, fucking no. good. That's what we really need in Kingdom Hearts: Bambi court cases. Bambi court cases. We need a spinoff that's like um, Ace. No, yeah, Ace Attorney, <laughs> but it's Bambi in Kingdom Hearts. You only know it's Kingdom Hearts because occasionally there will be like Donald or Goofy in the background dressed in their Kingdom Hearts outfits. No, 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 no. That's the game. Is that Sora has to. Defend or represent different. I was just imagining. I'm just imagining a deer in a suit doing like the objection pose, and instead of the objection, just. (laughs) 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 Jesus fucking Christ! But, but yeah, there, there's, there's a lot more utility and and thought that is put into the mechanics of Kingdom Hearts 1. This is this is taken even further in like level 1 playthroughs where like um in the the remasters they they introduce or final mixes they introduced new abilities and among those is the XP 0. This is present in I believe all of the Kingdom Hearts games except the rhythm game because there's no level system there I don't think. Uh, but in Kingdom Hearts 1, it does a lot more than than just make you level 1. Because Kingdom Hearts 1, I would argue, is one of the hardest Kingdom Hearts games. Fuck you, Riku and uh, Sora being like, Kyrie, Kyrie's inside me? I will never forget that cutscene. Ever. Because he couldn't skip it. You had to watch it every time you failed. And that boss, hard as fuck. They did. Fix it in the remaster, right? Yeah, yeah. They gave you the ability to skip uh, cutscenes. Kingdom Hearts 1's original release was the only one that you could not skip cutscenes in. And it wasn't for the best. It's part part of why it was, uh, was like, you couldn't skip the commercial cutscene in, in Persona? Because I just find it wild. Every game that has cutscenes should allow you to skip them. Oh, 100%. Because having to sit through dozens of hours of cutscenes on every playthrough is fucking horrendous. But anyways, um, so the the scaling for level 1 in Kingdom Hearts 1 is 
a lot different. Like, if you have XP zero on, making yourself just level one the whole time, it changes a lot more than just being level one and having to wombo combo to death and, and not die. Everything is based off of, like, your magic stat and the ability to store your your final hit of a combo, which is always your strongest hit, to then boost your magic attacks. There's, there's actually a dude I was following a like five years ago or so that was going through and breaking down all of the mechanics of Kingdom Hearts 1 at level 1 because this is so much. Like, this dude had, like, straight-up pages of documents about the the different ways you could fully make use of of B of XP zero and how it like it evolved the game in, in so many ways. It Chef's kiss. But also other other points for for Kingdom Hearts one being, I would argue at least nowadays the the best Kingdom Hearts game is that it actually made use like full use of its crossover. So everybody knows Kingdom Hearts is the or KH is the wildest fucking game ever. Who would have ever thought of slapping Disney and, and Final Fantasy together? Not me. Would you uh, have D? Uh, if I was high. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I wrote that idea on a napkin in the year 2000. <laughs> Tyler, you gotta you gotta get on that. You gotta get Bambi to represent you in a court of law. No. And- you know, I, I get I actually, that back. I actually, uh, I, I was thinking about it on September tenth, two thousand one, and then something came up, and I <laughs> <laughs> something came up. Something <laughs> happened. I don't. I don't know. I don't dude, even it was, a, it was a pretty happened. busy week, honestly. <laughs> that just reminds me of like that fucking Family Guy joke where it's like. Fight me anytime, any place. All right, how about Top of the World Trade Center, September 11, two thousand one? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just like, oh man, I was I had the idea for Kingdom Hearts on September tenth, two thousand one. Man, just got I got busy, you know. Just, I le- I left I left up. my notepad with the idea in the World Trade Center. <laughs> it was actually on that plane. It was it was on that plane. <laughs> I was actually I was the I was on the the previous flight of that plane and I just forgot something in the seats. It's so sad. Man, the, the one day I don't bring my flame resistant notebook. <laughs> <laughs> Such a shame. This is always happening to me. I never bring <laughs> this is always happening. If I had a nickel for every million dollar idea I lost to the World Trade Centers, man, I'd have so many nickels. <laughs> Every plane I took, I actually left a good idea on there, and each one of those planes, each one of them. Oh my god, it's so sad. I'm sorry, bro. You really Dude, missed it's, out. It's ridiculous, man. <laughs> Maybe, but it it won't be it won't be the bad time for these jokes when it comes out. So it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, I think we're I think we're at a point where uh, in our in our human society that we could all admit that like obviously it's a, it's a tragedy. These are all just jokes. We we love and respect all the people who went through all that. Then one person comes forward and is like, "No, how yeah. dare you say that the Kingdom Hearts idea was a part of the 9/11 World Trade Center?" 
Reach. Yeah, actually, Riku did 9-11. That's the truth they don't want you to know. <laughs> there can only be one World Trade Center building. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Holy shit. So, <laughs> so, getting back to it, I feel like Kingdom Hearts 1 truly made full use of this idea. It was not the time where Nomura was saying Kingdom Hearts could stand on its own. It can, but, like, why would it do that? Because then we get shit like going to uh, fucking Tarzan's world. Also... That world sucks. Like, yeah. just the world, the world design itself. It has a similar problem to Cage 3, where you're just going up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. And it's not fun to go up or down. Well, okay, it's kind of fun to go down. You could either just jump or do a little... All right, whatever. But you have all of these Disney worlds where the villains from the Disney worlds are actually, like, the, like the, the bad guys. Like, they are the the characters that you're fighting against, there's, like, this weird fucking uh, Sinister Six-esque council where Maleficent has gathered, like, Jafar, not... I forget the dude's name from, from Tarzan. The Gorilla Hunter, not that guy. Fuck that guy. But, like, Ursula. And, and all these different villains that are just, like, yeah, in the in the background, kidnapping people, causing chaos, talking about the shit you're doing... Is great. Like, why have we not had a Disney villain council since Kingdom Hearts 1? It's because they're afraid of the power of bringing all those Disney villains together. Like, goddamn, we only get... The only one that sticks around is Maleficent. And by the end, Maleficent... And then they bring in Pete in Kingdom Hearts 2. But by the end, they're just jokes. They're not even, like, actual villains. They're just kind of doing their thing and occasionally show up to roast Sora. That's it. So so lame. Um, in their defense, Sora is very roastable. <laughs> like they show up at the. This is very minor spoilers for Kingdom Hearts Three. I'm sorry, D. I know you haven't played it, but like, there's the usual plot of like Sora has to get jacked again, right? Like in every Kingdom Hearts game, you have you have Sora. But Maleficent and Pete show up, and despite Pete especially getting his ass beat in the start of, uh, like, early on in Kingdom Hearts 2, they're just like, huh, looks like you're a little weak, pipsqueak. And Sora's just there and takes it. He's just like, oh, man. Oh, I really need to get strong again. No. And it's one of the, the lamest things ever because, like, they don't even look at him and go, like, this is the kid that gets in our way frequently. Maybe while he's weak, we should beat his ass. They just go, ha, loser, and fuck off. Uh, I also do that to people sometimes. <laughs> so, I can't really blame them. Like, kind of try it. Okay, next person I walk up to, I'm going to go back over to that, that convenience store and... and say, fuck off, loser, and just disappear to the manager. Yeah, like, like establish a rival, and then wait until they're, like, like, they, like, are, are you know, like, they, they're on their deathbed, and, like, sneak in and be like, <laughs> you're a weak pussy. And then, like, and then, like, did, I, I don't know if you heard me whisper, 
But I did. But th- and then you just you just leave. You won. Congratulations. <laughs> just congrats. You've won the game. Yeah. That's how you win. But, uh... <laughs> God damn it. Also, these all these Disney worlds that have all these villains that are like, you know, actually major villains that are that are causing issues. The worlds are actually f- interesting. Like Wonderland from Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, that's the place. We never see it again. That world is awesome because it plays around with size. You get shrunk. You get larger. You go to different rooms where, like, depending on the area you enter in from, you are on a, like, different wall or floor or ceiling of the room. In uh, Atlantica, it's not a rhythm game. The water mechanics kind of suck a little bit, not going to lie, but it's not a rhythm game, and it is so much more interesting to actually play Atlantica. I'm sorry, D. I think I remember you saying you like Atlantica a in Kingdom bit. Hearts 2. Uh, Duh. Can I, can I, I have a hot, I have another hot thing. What's uh, up? I did not like Wonderland. You didn't like Wonderland? No, I thought it was annoying. Damn. That's rude. No, it's sorry, okay. Bro. Sorry. <laughs> My heart. So they're, they're just not all of these, like, hallways. In in pretty much every Kingdom Hearts game, uh, from 2 to Dream Drop Distance, except Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2, the worlds are just these hallways, and sure, they look cool, and it's really fun to play, but they're just not really interesting. Not really, like, there's not places, there's not multiple exits, there's not all these different ways you could go, or things you could really, truly investigate. You're, you pretty much gotta, gotta route forward. You got maybe a little bit of treasure chest off to the side. Kingdom Hearts, Kingdom Hearts 1? I love it, even if, if we have places like for D Wonderland, or for everybody, Deep Jungle. That wasn't great. Yeah, that's definitely the... And they put it, like, kind of early on, too. Why would they do that? It's, it's legit, like, the second world you go... Or third, if you count Traverse Town. Also, Traverse Town is just great. Like, I know Twilight Town is nostalgic and, like, beautiful chef's kiss. I like Traverse Town more. It's just a fucking interesting town. And that music that plays in the background, I can't get enough of it. I have, a, like, a very distinct memory. Sorry, I'm sorry, it's a little off topic quick i have a very distinct memory of like eating a homemade cheesesteak sandwich and and drinking like hawaiian punch and and playing kingdom hearts one for like the first time and being in traverse town and just being like yeah this is all right it's so it's so it's so homey but also like it's so i i find traverse town to be like the best town world because it's just it's not only homey in the places that it should be homey but it's also like this secret riddled interesting world where you gotta go and you gotta uh show up to the dalmatian house because you find all the dalmatians in this game you get to get presents from dogs bro the gizmo shop is just my favorite room in all of Kingdom Hearts. Like, I have so many memories of just grinding in there and trying to figure out how to get up onto the top ledges without high jump. And while we're on the topic of worlds, uh, why, 
why is everybody shitting their pants over the world that never was in Kingdom Hearts 2? That world is phenomenal. I love it. But the end of the world is just so ominous. Like, you show up in this place and you are literally standing in space with all of these little shattered islands that are the remnants of worlds devoured by Heartless. As you get deeper in, you're exploring these these almost... Uh, the, like combinations of other worlds that you don't see in the game, but some of them make appearances later on, like the Dwarf Woodlands, aka uh, Snow White. You get to fight, uh, you get to have the natural J JRPG progression where you start off facing some big bad, i.e. the Disney villains, and then it's just like you're fighting God, who's j this giant weird flesh spaceship that you're flying around. You fight Chernabog, which is the Disney devil. The world, the end of the world ha always has me hyped whenever I go into it. It is phenomenal. That made me really feel. <laughs> no, I get it, though. It is. I do definitely think it's a better experience overall. I do like the aesthetic of the world that it was, though. Oh, 100%. Like... I, I do love the world that never was. There's just, there's a lot of symbolism just for the Kingdom Hearts series in general in that world. It is also just, like, this epic city, like, this whole metropolis that you're kind of exploring through. I just wish there was more to it, because with the, the end of the world, you have, you have so many different things that really showcase how the darkness and Heartless have destroyed multiple worlds and you're you're like as you're coming to the end of your journey you're really like having to come to terms with that like you even go back to the very starter location destiny islands all destroyed and taken over by darkness fragmented with this weird bowl thing that you fight ansem in after kicking his ass on the beach just overall i want i want more love for Kingdom Hearts 1, because while it's not the snappiest combat, it's not the most flowing, there there seems to be, because of it being the first game in the series, the first game in this absolutely bonkers crossover of Final Fantasy and uh, Disney, they put so much thought and effort into designing the game that even if some things uh, weren't as good as later iterations, mainly mainly the combat. It's just, you can really feel it when you go through and you actually analyze it. The There's there's weird little platforming parts that sometimes suck, looking at you, Deep Jungle, but other times are just like, holy shit, this is like, you don't even see this in uh, 3D games a whole lot anymore, unless they're more specifically designed around platforming or puzzle solving. You have the Trinities, which give you an excuse to go back and explore these other worlds. After you after you complete the game, or as you're progressing, there's reasons to go back. There are secret Keyblades that you can find either in chests or locations, or you can do um, little like side quest-like things to be able to unlock. Um, the secret bosses, uh, especially because... If we look at OG releases, Kingdom Hearts 1 has the most secret bosses. Future games typically had one. Except Dream Drop Distance. That had a, a small handful. But, like, Kingdom Hearts 1 had the Phantom. That boss honestly kind of sucks. It's pretty much just turn-based action game. And, no. 
but Kurt Ziza, which is named after a fan that won a like a a competition to have him his name used in the game, which I just love that. Oh, you fight Sephiroth for the first time, and the dude is hard as fuck. Little kid me never managed to do it. You have the Ice Titan, which is just great because in any other game that the Titans show up. Except, finally, Kingdom Hearts 3. You don't fight any of the other ones. You get the Rock Titan. Like, don't get me the wrong. The Rock Titan's cool, but, like... The Ice Titan's just badass fight. Yeah, that's fair. The, then, in in the, the HD remix, we get one of the hardest uh, secret bosses ever. Mainly because of the more clunkiness of, of Kingdom Hearts 1. But it is still just an absolutely insane boss that leads into the future games because I'm pretty sure it's just Xehanort. And for some reason, this or not Xehanort, it's just Xemnas. And this dude doesn't remember us beating his ass as a even smaller kid. He just wants smoke again. Alright, I'm, I'm here to give it to you, don't worry. In comparison, Kingdom Hearts 2 on release had Sephiroth. That's oh. it, and not... What? Um, Sephiroth, if you're wondering, is still hard in 2, by the way. Yeah, he's still hard, but he's not... I, I feel like if you compare the two Sephiroths, Sephiroth and Kingdom Hearts 1, absolutely, at least for me personally, this might be different for other people, but Kingdom Hearts 1 Sephiroth rocked my shit nearly every time. Like, Kid Me could do nothing. Whereas Kingdom Hearts 2, like, I... When and I played enough Kingdom Hearts 2 and I got good enough at the good enough at the game and practiced the fight enough, where like there is a point where I went and I did the, the fight hitless. Like it was so satisfying. But that's not something you really can do in Kingdom Hearts 1 unless you got the power of God and anime on your side. That's just the plot of the game. Fuck, you're right. Fuck. Sorry. Sorry to do it to you. It's true, though. You got me. It's, uh, I don't know what to say anymore. <laughs> I want Kingdom Hearts 1 to be remade. Just just because. Because if Kingdom Hearts 1 got remade with more of the snappiness of KH2 or Kingdom Hearts 3's combat, but kept all the things like tech points, elemental weaknesses, uh, the beauty and versatility of the summons... The uh, excellent mechanical changes for XP zero or XP level one, however you want to refer to it, it could be the greatest game. I would like. It's no secret I'm a big fan of Kingdom Hearts games, and they're some of my favorite games of all times. But like, it would be one of the greatest games, one of the greatest ARPGs, one of the greatest Kingdom Hearts games, and just an absolute delight to play for anybody involved. Uh, That's I, I have a really quick hot take, if you want to hear it. I do want to hear it. You, you want to hear it? Wanna, yeah, let's let's hear it. Anybody who wants to like play a Kingdom Hearts game, but doesn't want to immediately fall down a rabbit hole that they will never escape from, should start with Kingdom Hearts 1, because it's a lot easier to understand than literally every other Kingdom Hearts game, I think. Oh, it starts with the best intentions. 
No, that's that's one hundred percent true. Like the 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 plot of King Marks One being the first, you have you have lines like "There can only be one Keyblade Master," which turns out to be a lie later on, but it sets up an interesting plot that has to be explained in a different way later on once they give more Keyblade wielders. But when you're just interacting with it, it's like, oh, this makes sense. How could there be multiple Keyblade wielders? I have the Keyblade. I am Spartacus. <laughs> the you also get you all even though like uh, I'm not a huge fan of him as like a person. I absolutely love Apps asshole Riku. Like just as a character, it's great. You could really feel almost how jealous this man is. How upsetty spaghetti he is at Sora for making friends with a goddamn dog and a duck. Yo, it's crazy that his like canon name is Asshole Riku. Like, <laughs> why would they name him that? I don't know. It's it, 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 dude. Do you remember when that that line in Kingdom Hearts two where Sora's just like, Asshole, I looked everywhere for you. Yeah, crazy line. <laughs> Me when I'm trying to take a shit. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> you would have tried to take a shit. Asshole, I've been looking for you. <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, to, to fully end it, it's like, Kingdom Hearts 1 has a simpler story, more in-depth mechanics that still allow room for mindless button mash. It has... In my opinion, more interesting worlds, even if some of them end up being flops. <coughs> Looking at you, Deep Jungle. And it's just, overall, for being the first game in the series, it hit the nail on the head for absolutely everything it should do. Final Fantasy characters, major, major characters in the story. Disney, Disney characters and villains, major players in the story. It does... Everything nearly perfectly, even if it's not entirely perfectly. But that could be fixed if Square Enix would stop being cowards and would just remake the game that fully. That's not going to happen. Why? Square Enix will never stop being cowards. Oh shit, you're right. If they if they if they weren't cowards, they would have left Mickey Mouse shirtless. They, 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 they were so not cowards that they explained why he was shirtless. What are you talking about? They, they, they should have just left him shirtless. <laughs> that should be Mickey Mouse's natural state. I don't, I don't like that. Team Shirt like <laughs> shirtless is Mickey Mouse's natural state. Somebody put that in the quotes. Shirtless is Mickey Mouse's natural state. I'm on it. Okay. Anyways, uh, yeah, that that's it. I think go on go on government love break. All right, nothing love says break. break time like shirtless Mickey Mouse. I know that's what I think about for the entirety of our break. Welcome back to government love box, and before we get into the succulent topic. We here at the GLB just want to say we stand with the SAG-AFTRA strikers. That almost sounds like a sports sports team. 
Um, but no, seriously, the writers and actors strike that's going on, we support it 100%, because writers and actors deserve to be paid for, for the work they do and for their likeness being used. Right, guys? 100%. Yeah. And um, I know it's a big thing, especially nowadays, because uh, uh, apparently a lot of like influencers, especially on TikTok, have been like getting approached by movie studios who are trying to give them like shows and stuff. And even though, like, maybe it's unlikely, but we would never scam. So, just keep that in mind. Yeah. Even even though they won't, if they did try to come to us and commission a GLB movie for pennies, we won't do it. We're not selling. That's right. We're not losers. We're not scabs. Fuck you if you are. Uh, really quick, I, I just want to say, uh, also shout out to the the Writers Guild of America, WGA, um, who are also involved in the strike. But uh, I would never scab because I'm a big union supporter. Uh, I, I grew up in a union household. Uh, I stand with unions. Oh, yeah, 100%. Unions are just kind of good. It's like really smart. But, yeah, with that out of the way, D, you want to you take us into your succulent topic? I hate that you're calling it a succulent topic. What do you mean? It has me frothing at them. I am I am drooling here at the thought I am of ready whatever you're going to, to be one drinking. throat your topic. <laughs> All right. You no, know, I went to drink water during that. I almost drowned myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh. This is this is the episode. You ever just in. like waterboard your friend while one throating <laughs> stuff? <laughs> no, all the time. All right. Not time to actually drink the water. Good luck. Uh, it's time to talk about Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi. Uh, I no, no surprise. This is the topic. We had like a thing going. Like, there was like a theme. <laughs> Get with it, guys. I uh, I had to keep it a mystery. They they had no idea. I assure you. They never okay. saw it coming. So really quick, I do need to say before I get started that uh, we had a little bit of some technical difficulties last week. My Wi-Fi uh, stopped being Wi-Fi. Happens to the best of us. It's always and happening so, to me. I know. Uh, and so, uh, I watched this movie, like, it's over a week ago now. Uh, and so I do not remember the headspace I was in for, like, any of these notes. So this will be interesting. (laughs) I'm excited. Uh, I hope you all enjoy. Hell yeah. I am, I'm ready. I'm excited. These are great. Alright, movie starts. We get our tech scroll. Uh, tech scroll says that Han's still frozen. We are going back to Tatooine. Maybe they'll be pod racing. Yeah, like, we I sure hope back so. There. Yeah, like, it's, like, eventually, right? Like, pod, like pod racing? Yeah. Um, like, oh, maybe he'll have to, like, like, maybe Luke will have to pod race for Han. There we go. Yo, That'd be interesting. Yo. 
This is pod racing. I'm excited. That now. would be the second time somebody won a human being in a pod race. I know. Weird that that happened twice. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, the Empire is trying to make the Death Star happen again. Uh, for some reason, I feel like if it didn't work the first time, like, my like maybe it's time to like look at alternatives. Just saying. Um. But all in all, things ain't looking good for the Rebellion. Um, let's see. Uh, we cut to Vader. He shows up. Uh, and he says, Hey, uh, old Palpy's gonna be on the Death Star later in the film. That'll be important. Uh, then we're down on the planet. We get some robot shenanigans. Another weird robot jump scare. Another thing weird that happened twice. Why are you uh, calling them weird? They're people, too. They're actually not. They're robots. Not in this universe. <laughs> they're not considered people. Yeah, they don't have rights. <laughs> Wild. Wild shit. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Pig Ganon from the original Legend of Zelda is here. <laughs> uh, they're, they're the guards in Jabba's palace, I swear to God. Yeah, they are, uh, they're Gamorrean guards. They make me uncomfortable to look at. Uh, They're very, they make weird noises. Yeah, uh, uh, we get a gross alien jump scare. Not the guards, but this other... Uh, we, the, he's, he looks a lot like the guy that used to stand behind Palpatine in the prequels. And, like, he had the weird teeth, and he like just kind of looks menacing. That guy. Is it the one who's, like, using his head thing as a scarf? Uh, yes... It's like it's like Jabba's right hand man. He's got his like weird like flesh thing going around his neck. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I. I. I, I he makes me. He makes me uncomfortable. Um, he gets like weirdly sexual with R two D two. Yeah, I was, I was about to say he's just standing there menacingly, but no, he, he's doing other things menacingly, like 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 putting his fingers in R two D two. I don't like it. I I don't like that he's doing that. Because it's not a person. Remember, remember the rights. It does not include droids. Um. No, but it does still make me uncomfortable. R two D two, my friend. Um. Uh oh, we get Salacious Crumb. Salacious Crumb is here. Uh the the best Star Wars character. Because he just kind of sits there and and is weird. I love him. Um. He doesn't get sexual with R2-D2. That's important. To me, at least. Uh, hologram Luke shows up and says, Fuck these droids, you can have them, lol. Um, and, then I, and then I said, uh, Yeah, we're for sure gonna have Luke show up and then like pod race for the release of Han and the droids. Like That's how it's gonna work. Uh... I like that's like the natural conclusion, right? Like, because pod racing is a big part of this universe. Like, it, it happens a lot, right? It happens all the time. Every major plot point is solved by pod racing. It's the official it's galactic Star sport. Movie. What? It's the official galactic sport. You think it's like their NASCAR? I think it's like their Yo. only sport. Do they have any other sports? <laughs> um. They've got Jakku oil wrestling. 
No, they fucking don't. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, let's see. Uh, we we get we get music. Uh, this this one alien uh plays the space blues harmonica, and he's playing his fucking heart out. Call Huey Lewis. Let him know he's got competition. Uh, notify the news as well. That's an important aspect of Huey Lewis's performance. Um. Wait, is it the blue elephant guy? No. Because oh, wait, this is, is it... my next note that says that weird, sad blue alien is so <laughs> funny looking. LOL. <laughs> so are you talking about the, the, it's like the brown guy? I guess. Like, I don't Like he's got like brown too. fur or whatever? <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. Does I, he I like yell? He... Yeah, he like yells and then plays the like. Space harmonica. Oh, that! Yeah, I know what guy you're talking about. Yeah, he's like, he's like, yeah. I I like it. I like blues. I like jazz. I like it. I I love jizz. Big jizz fan. Jizz music. I love jizz. I want to get one of those shirts that says I love jizz. I'm just a huge jizz fan. If I go to clubs, the first thing I'm looking for is some jizz. scene where they gargle out some jizz. We, we get a, we get a, like a musical number. Um, <laughs> he said, sorry, I didn't realize this was Return of the Jedi, the musical. That's got the weird lady with the really long yes. mouth. <laughs> yep. That's, that's another one I don't, that's another alien I'm, I just, that makes me uncomfortable. I don't know why. What the fuck are these designs George Lucas just threw into this one dance number? <laughs> Well, these were all the aliens that he was like, well, this will be hot, because we, we need to have, like, a... <laughs> we need to have, like, a script show at Jabba's Palace. I just imagine George Lucas sitting there like, George, what is with this weird green longmouth lady? He's like, no, you don't understand. That shit's smoking. That shit's smoking. <laughs> now, this right here, that's some hot... Some hot alien shit right there. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, oh, Bob Feta is here, whatever his name is. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, yeah, Bob Feta is trying to get some, trying to get some blue pussy. Uh, good on him. Well, no, he's against premarital sex in the ca- in canon. He, like, he's, he's flirting, though, so, like, he's, that's Yeah, he just wants to take her to dinner. <laughs> Yeah, that's his. That's his version of like. He wants you know, like, to listen to up. some jizz. <laughs> he wants to show her his jizz collection. <laughs> his jizz collection. Okay. Uh, Jabba murders a poor woman, and then the singer just goes, "Uh oh." <laughs> I actually forgot about that. <laughs> it's funny. Not the appropriate response when you see somebody get murdered in front of you. If you're wondering. <laughs> no, no. This was. This is exactly the response everybody living has ever had. Uh oh. 
Uh-oh. Isn't that lady a, like, a captive prisoner dancer, too? Yeah, yes. That's <laughs> a, uh-oh. Like, oh. oh She's in trouble now. Yeah. Yeah, fucked up. Real fucked up. Uh, a bounty hunter shows up and then threatens to do a suicide bombing? That's a plot point in this movie? Don't forget about that. Oh, yeah. That's true, yeah. Uh, love that bounty hunter's outfit. What's that? I was just gonna say I love that bounty hunter's outfit. Oh yeah, yeah. There is actually like a decent amount of like good design in some of this stuff. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, su- suicide bombing bounty hunter. Good name for a band. Um. Oh, Lando has appeared in the film. He's 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 hiding amongst the guards. He's the only non-pig guard. I don't know how they figured. How they haven't figured out that that's Lando. Like. I bet I've been here for for four months and they still haven't realized who I am. Yeah, yeah, like they all look like Ganon from Zelda, and then there's just Lando. Do you think he like makes pig noises at them to convince them? <laughs> or you're just like, who's that guy? He's just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Uh oh, that that bounty hunter goes into the basement and Han's down there. The bounty hunter thaws him out. Uh, and I asked, uh, wasn't he wearing his vest when he got frozen? I genuinely don't remember. I did end up looking at that scene again. Uh, he is wearing his vest. He is wearing the vest. I was wrong. So. Wait, is Han or Lando wearing the vest? Uh, I, I believe Han is wearing the vest. Maybe he's not. Maybe I have it backwards. I don't know. It's been a little while. Han- Lando already gave up on wearing uh, Han's clothing. Yeah, he tried it on and he was like, uh, you know what? I just can't pull this look off. It's just not for me. His friend was legit frozen for like five minutes and he just raids his closet. <laughs> yeah, he- That's so he was wild. Like, I just wanted to know if like, do you think I could pull off a- like, like Leia's crying- over, over, like, Luke, who's, like, battered and, like, bleeding, and, and crying about Han being frozen. And Lando's like, so do you think I'm a vest person, or... You- <laughs> like, should I go vest or no vest? Like, like I'm normally a cape guy, but, like, vest or no vest? <laughs> I just want to know if you think that it's, like, a good look for me. Like, to be, be, just be honest. Be honest. Like, don't hurt my feelings, but be honest about it. <laughs> don't, don't be rude, but just, like, break to me clean, Chief. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, the bounty hunter was Leia. She was the suicide bomber the whole time. Yeah. Um, uh, uh. Yeah. She she takes off her helmet and is like, she 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 first she has the helmet on and and Han's like, who are you? And she and the and with the helmet on, she's like, someone who loves you. And then she takes the helmet off and. And she's like, someone who loves you. And then, it, we, yeah, it's Leia. Uh, and I just had to say, Carrie Fisher, God rest her soul, uh, could step on me respectfully. God, she was so beautiful. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. Especially in this movie. Like, I don't know what it is. I think it's just, like, the way they do her hair a bunch of times in this movie. Yeah. 
Yeah, Obviously, uh, like leaving out the obvious one that's going to come up, like even before the and like after that, she's very pretty in this movie. I agree. I agree. I think when we get later into the movie and we we get to um, the Force Mood Vendor, uh, like she looks good in all those scenes. I think. Um, I agree. Uh oh, Jabba catches them. He he's got a fake wall down there where he like waits for people to come and try to rescue Han, I guess. For some reason. <laughs> That's uh, a good point. There. He does. Just chilling there day thirty five. <laughs> yeah, this is where he hangs out. Uh let's I, see. Well, clear my schedule. I have an important meeting today. Sir, <laughs> you've had an important meeting every day. I I have something I need to do. And I just Shuffle, you're like slowly down there. You're slowly slipping into J. Jonah Jameson. I need pictures <laughs> of Solo. <laughs> J. Jo- J. Jonah Jabba the Hutt. Yeah. Jabba Jonah Jameson. <laughs> That's what the J stands for. Just Jabba. Uh, Jabba Jonah Jameson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, a hunt gets thrown in a cell with Chewie, who is also there. Uh, and. Uh, Chewie's like, don't worry, Luke is gonna rescue us. He's a Jedi Knight now. Uh, Luke became a Jedi Knight in one year. Just wanna... Because it's been canonically one year. He's built different. I... I don't know. Uh, Maybe it's just like Yoda got... Yoda lost his his nutrient stick. Oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. So he's like... (laughs) (laughs) He's just like, alright, get out of here. Go, you uh, must. Han uh, is also blind at this point because he has hibernation sickness. Yes, that is true. Um, he uh, his blindness is going to be important in a minute. So, so, so we're all on the same page. Um. Uh, anyways, Link enters the movie. Uh, uh, Link, Luke enters the movie. Uh, sorry, I was thinking about Ganon again. And, uh, chokes some dudes, maybe? Uh, I've, I've heard that, I've heard two explanations. One, that he straight up does actually force choke them. Not very Jedi-esque, just saying. Uh, explanation number two is that he uses the power of force suggestion to convince them that they are choking. That's the same fucking thing! Uh, you I know, know, I, 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 I would definitely take just the first one because like that seems like such an asinine explanation like yeah he just convinced them I mean Luke you're choking now I mean Luke is like very much like not a traditional Jedi like he's very much like especially in this movie like he's very uh intense like he's very aggressive when he when he fights with his lightsaber and he's also wearing all black which is not a very Jedi color um so I wouldn't be surprised if he did something like force choke. Um, yeah, yeah I, I honestly think it, it makes Luke a, a more interesting character if he does use force choke. Because I think that really sets up the, like, will he or won't he fall to the dark side question. You know what I mean? Like, again, like, he, you're right, like, he's wearing, like, all black. For the, he, he, all right, really, I, he goes to a desert planet wearing all black and Chanel boots. What's up with that? I love his boots. Those are nice boots. I agree. He's serving. That's for sure. But, like, 
Men like, sweating buckets. Yeah, like he's another notable so thing though is this is also a year after he found out Darth Vader was his father. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, like that's another right. thing that like adds into his like like you know where's Luke at right now. Um, but oh. he's probably sweating is where he's currently at. Is uh needing yeah. an air conditioner. Yes, he's very sweaty. Uh, he's at Jabba's palace. He's getting all. Of he's Jabba's also got palace. a cloak. He's got a cloak on. He does have a cloak on. This man, he has like he just has an IV of, of liquid just going into his body, just so he's not <laughs> rapid dehydrating. He does not look sweaty in any of these scenes, though. Just want to point that out. Maybe he's just a naturally cool person. Could be. Like he's always. He's like, ooh, I'm always cold um, in the middle of a desert planet, wearing all black and a cloak. <laughs> I have a medical cold. condition. <laughs> he's gonna fucking pass out from not being able to like sweat the heat out. Like, uh, let's see. Oh, uh, George Lucas is a dick. That's that's my next note. Uh, and it's because of yes, the the Leia in the golden bikini thing. Uh, yeah. Like there, like she didn't have any kind of like protection on underneath that. Uh, not very fair to 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 your actors and actresses to to do this to them. Um, she yeah, uh, no, especially with like what the scene is. Yeah, like <laughs> that's one thing that's always bugged me is like that scene. Everybody talks about it's like oh Leia's so hot and seems like Leia is a slave. <laughs> That yeah. outfit is literally called Slave Leia. Like, I get it, like, metal bikini, but, like, fucking yikes, though. <laughs> like, actual no, I, yikes. I, I definitely agree. I Like, I've always kind of thought this scene was a little bit gross, and people are always like, oh, it's so hot. I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I, uh, I, I disagree. It, it's a thing that, like, I talk about with people all the time, where it's like, people on the internet have this idea where, like, like, less clothes equals automatically more attractive than more clothes. And it's like, that's not true. Because I guarantee you Leia looks better in more clothes than she does there. Like, there's probably like there's probably outfits she's worn in these trilogies where she looks better than she does in a bikini. Like, she looks hotter than she does in a bikini. But it's just like, oh, less equal, be- less equal more attractive all the time. And it's like, I don't think that that's accurate. No, I 100% agree. 100%. Um... Moving, uh, moving forward in the movie, uh, Luke gets dropped into the Rancor pit, and uh, Luke uh, kills the Rancor by having good aim. He doesn't use a lightsaber or the Force to do it. Uh, maybe you can argue he uses the like a Force throw of some kind, but he just he hits a button with a skull by throwing it, and uh, and the, a gate falls in the Rancor. Um, and, uh, the, the Rancor dies, and the Rancor tamer crying over the Rancor genuinely makes me sad. It's yeah, actually I, sad scene. It's like he was his pet. Yeah! It was! Yes. When I, re- I rewatched this movie with, with my friend Joey, because it came back to theaters, and I remember watching it, I was like, I don't remember that scene. Why is that there? Like, that now I'm just sad. He's the bad guy. Like, don't do that. What's the point? They, 
villains are people too. They can have pets, even if those pets are used to dispatch enemies. But this dude is a minor villain for a minor villain. (laughs) Bro, six (laughs) layers deep. He doesn't need to have a backstory and be sad. Yeah. (laughs) Genuinely, Rancor Chamber, if you're listening, uh, send us an email. We'll try to make it right for you. You know, like... It actually is, if I remember correctly. Uh, He got new Rancor. Uh, he got a new rancor in Book of Boba Fett. Oh, that's yeah. Cool. So he's actually he's actually he's doing pretty good. Good for him. Yeah, good for him. Um, we're going to the Sarlacc scene, and really quick, I just want to say, uh, the Sarlacc pet's fucking stupid. Uh, because they're like, oh, it'll digest you over a thousand years. Uh, they wouldn't live that long, anyways. Uh. Best case scenario, they fall in there and they're they're like they're dead within like a couple days. Like <laughs> that 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 thousand year slow painful digestion, stupid, dumb. Just saying. I mean, the most notable character to go in there doesn't die. So true. They die of old age. Just it's just a retirement like a home. Po- it's a it's a torturous t- retirement home. You go there. No, like once you once you get swallowed, you just like there's a building underneath the Sarlacc pit. Like once you get swallowed, you're just in a retirement home. Yeah, you go in there. You the the door is open. You walk in. There's a bunch of old people. They, they're like playing ping pong and like watching TV. And they're like, "Hey, we got another one." Hey, yo, you got Sarlacc? Yeah, me too, man. Me too. <laughs> it's actually kind of nice in there. There's air conditioning in there. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's where Luke needs to go with him and his his all black outfit. Maybe that's it. Maybe Jabba just wanted to help him beat the heat. Yeah. Jabba was like, "You need to get in the AC, my dude." Like here, yeah, come on, man. Like, You're gonna get C-3PO sick. You just mistranslated, like <laughs> maybe C three PO was just trying to instigate. Like Jabba was actually being nice the whole time, and C three PO just kept translating it and instigating a fight. It's like, no, he said, no, no, Luke, he said, fuck you. Yeah, no, he, yeah, yeah, he said, go, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was the whole purpose of the, the Han Solo waiting room. He just wanted to reunite them and then keep them there to wait for Luke. It's all his master plan. Oh, yeah, that's why he gave Leia that outfit. He gave Leia that outfit because it was so hot there, you know? Yeah, yeah yes, yeah. for sure. That's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love Crumb, the salacious Crumb. <laughs> we get a we get another salacious crumb moment where he does a little laugh and and like and, but then he like he like crawls on the ceiling. Uh, it's very funny. I like it. Live salacious be crumb reaction. <laughs> um, you know that V stands for very vendetta. <laughs> v for vendetta. Uh, the blue alien starts playing a. Bop, absolute banger. I love it. Oh, I remember oh. it. His name is Max Rebo. That's the blue <laughs> elephant's name. I, I knew he had a name. I couldn't remember what it was. It's Max Rebo. Um, that's uh, Why do all these characters have such funny names? This is George Lucas. George Lucas. So we got, this is the man that gave us Jar Jar Binks. The man, the dude's name is literally Jar Jar. <laughs> True. 
Uh, do you know do what? You, really really do quick, do you know what Jar Jar's dad's name is? George. It's George. It's so fucking funny. To That's me. really good. You remember uh, when John Tron reviewed all those Star Wars games, or he's like, "Oh, this is my favorite game, Jar Jar's Jar Jar Jar." <laughs> I just I think about that. That guy. <laughs> Jar Jar's Jar Jar Jar. Uh, so Luke is like, uh, like he's uh, like on this like barge, and he's like about to like walk the plank into the Sarlacc pit or whatever. And he looks down at the Sarlacc, the Sarlacc pit, and he just kind of looks annoyed. Watch the movie again. He just looks like he's like, ew. Like he, like he, like he literally looks down, and it's like he's like, why would I? Why I, I've got Chanel boots on. Why would I go in there? Like <laughs> they're gonna ruin my fucking boots. Yeah. Uh. So, anyways, Luke starts blasting. He gets his lightsaber from R two, and he just starts cutting people down. Uh, we get a scene where a grappling hook fails to save the day for once. That no. never happens. Like, literally, there's that's like a, the first time. There's a wide shot where Luke is swinging saber. He kicks, wide misses a dude. Dude reacts yeah. like he got kicked. It's, it's like, I, right at the bottom of your screen, you see it. He kicks, dude whiffs by a mile. Dude still takes the kick. I, uh, I, I look for that scene every time I watch the movie. You know he uses a force kick. That's what. It, that's how they explain it. He uses a force kick. Why? <laughs> I think it would be funnier if that dude just really didn't want to keep fighting. So he saw that that kick missed, and he was like, "All right, if I just take a fucking dive here, nobody will say anything." You know what it is? Is that like he was? He was like, "All right," so like he was in a lot of debt, right? And he didn't want to leave his kids a lot of debt. So he's like, "Well, the life insurance will pay for it, but I can't make it look like a suicide." So if I say I was murdered by Luke Skywalker, <laughs> could you imagine? Like they're just like they're just like I don't know. It didn't look like that kick. Uh, that kick hit. No, no, please, Mister Insurance Agent. It was a force kick. <laughs> <laughs> force kick. <laughs> that's that's where that came from. It came from the from the family trying to explain it to the insurance agent. Yeah. No, I'm telling you, it was a force kick, and the guy's like, "All right, I guess he is a Jedi. You know, force kick it is." <laughs> Get your money. He did become a Jedi Knight this year, so I guess... You yeah, know, he did be... Maybe that's what that, that, that weird frog with the nutrient stick was teaching him. <laughs> uh, let's see. Han murders Boba Fett, and he, he, he goes out like a bitch. He like, he's like, ah! As he, like, like, flies into the Sarlacc. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure he's really dead. Um... 100%. Let's see. Leia murders Jabba. Uh, let's see. Oh, I have a quick note about how much Luke likes murder. Um, so, canonically, in the novelization of Return of the Jedi, it's revealed that during the uh, assault on Jabba's barge, Luke uh, really liked the idea of getting to kill Jabba. He wanted Jabba dead. He saw him as, like, a plague and scum. And so he was really kind of grappling with these, like, very dark side thoughts throughout this interaction. And I feel like that is 100% missed by this scene. Uh, like, if they wanted, if they were trying to show you that, they did not do a good job. Because um, it just looks like a fun adventure to me. 
I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say that one thing I know about like this part of the movie is there's this really interesting line change that I always think about in the special editions. Uh, there's a part where uh, Han is like hanging off the ship and Lando needs help because somebody's trying to drag him to the Sarlacc pit. And he's like aiming a gun and Lando's like, you can't see. And in now in the special editions, he goes, I can see a lot better now. And then he shoots and he gets the guy. But it's way funnier because the original line is Lando's hanging there. And he's got a gun and he's like, he's like, hold still. He's like, wait, can't you see, like, aren't you blind? And he goes, trust me. And then shoots anyway. <laughs> and I'm so sad they changed it. That's a lot funnier. I like that I, a lot I, more. Yeah. He yeah, just aims at him. He's like, cool. trust me. Don't, don't worry about it. Uh, so anyway, I started blasting. So anyways, started blasting. Uh, Oh, I have uh, that Lando gets grabbed by the Sarlacc tentacle, and uh, that I've seen enough hentai to know where this is going. Uh, the blind guy gets a gun. Lando gets saved. Leia gets out. Uh, Luke gets shot in the hand. Uh, more hand stuff. No sells it. Because it's a robot. No sells that shot. Got shot in the hand. Oh, yeah. No sells it. Um, you know, at least the robot hand's easier to like. To, to fix than a real hand. That's um, true. Yeah, you, probably. Yeah, at least not as time consuming. Uh, oh, Jabba's barge explodes. I asked, uh, "Do you think Crumb got out?" I need to know. <laughs> Yo, do, do you think Crumb got out? <laughs> just, just like like a hundred people just died. You're like, wait, did fuck Crumb get out? By the way, the answer is, actually, maybe he did, because the dude with the flesh scar, for whatever we were talking about, he does make it out. He does survive. So there is a chance that Salacious Crumb also survived. I believe Max Rebo also lived. I really hope Crumb lived. I think that they should make him, like, a reoccurring background character. Salacious be (laughs) Crumb, a Star Wars story. Like, when they, when they eventually do episode 10, because, let's be honest, they're gonna do an episode 10 at some point, uh, Crumb should be there somehow. Like, he's lived way beyond everybody else. Well, he's a species. Like, Salacious B. Crumb are spe- is a species. That's not just his name? No, I think they have a real species name, but I just call them the Salacious B. Crumbs, because, like, in one of the TV shows, I think it's Andor, they're, they're, like, he looks up at a tree, and the tree's got, like, eight of them on him. Like, there's just oh. eight salacious be crumbs. <laughs> they, they be crumbing. That's for sure. Yeah, that's just a pile of crumbs right there. Pile of crumbs. <laughs> um. Oh, uh, in the movie, somehow Palpatine has returned. <laughs> uh, Palpy is looking fucked up in this movie. Just want to point mean? that out. What do yep. you mean, ultimate power? He's looking a little. Oh, he's looking a little gross. Uh, hey, let's check on Yoda. Uh, Yoda says, "I'm <laughs> peacing out." LOL. Uh, <laughs> I'll never be able to take the scene seriously because now all I can imagine—we were talking about the nutrient stick last week. All I can imagine is that the reason Yoda died is because he misplaced the nutrient stick and he couldn't find it. And so he's <laughs> so Luke is just like, "Yoda, are you okay?" He's like, "Luke, Luke, please find the fucking stick." <laughs> Please, please. <laughs> I went to 
take it to Mel. I don't know where it went, please. Luke. <laughs> find the stick. Find the st- I don't want to find your stick, old man. Find the stick, please. I'm begging you. I'm dying. <laughs> Luke, he's like croaking. He's like, Luke, find me the nutri-stick, please. It's just Batman now. Batman appears. Luke! (laughs) It would be even funnier if, like, R2 had, and he's just like, yeah, that's what you get, you stupid fucking green bitch. (laughs) Just having it inside of this hollow body, just chilling there. Who doesn't doesn't deserve rights now, fucker? (laughs) Well, you know, if you remember back to the last movie, Yoda smacks R two D two with the stick. He's like, "Fuck you!" R two is like, "Oh, I'm gonna take the higher path. I'm not gonna hit you with the stick." As he hides it from him while he's dying, <laughs> I'm gonna take the high road, Yoda. Fuck you. R two's just like in the corner of the room as Yoda's wheezing on his chair. It's just like. Boop, boop, boop. Have you ever seen, like, I can't remember what it's from, but they're, I think it's like an Impractical Jokers thing where, where they're like, Murr, pretend that you don't have your inhaler, and then it's like, now Sal, pretend you hit it on him and you think it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally what it what is. It's just actually what happened with, with R2. Yoda's just, he's desperate, he's like, please, I just need to be slurping on that nutrient state, please. <laughs> Luke, let me slip on that nutrient stick. <laughs> Luke, hurry! I need to one throat this stick before I die. <laughs> um. Anyways, <laughs> Luke. <laughs> Luke says, "Uh, oh, I'm a jet. I am a Jedi." And Yoda says, "Watch your mouth, scrub. You ain't a Jedi yet. You gotta ask your dad for permission." Uh, what? And then, uh, then, alright, Yoda says, the Force runs, runs strong in the Skywalker family, and I genuinely think this is where George got the idea for Metachlorians. I Wait. really, truly think that. Maybe oh. he had the idea already, but, like, in return, to the, like, a lot of times people weren't letting Lucas get whatever he wanted when he was making the original trilogy. So maybe it was like, yeah, that's my idea, and they are like, no, 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 Luke, Lucas, no. And then he was like, alright, well, I'm back pocketing it. Maybe next time. And then by the time of the prequels, he could just do whatever he wanted. Yeah, he had free reign. Nobody was going to stop him. He had a lot of free reign on Return of the Jedi, which is why a lot of people find it to be the weakest of the original trilogy. But um, in the prequels, there was nobody stopping him. It was all Lucas. For good and for bad. Yeah, baby. All Lucas, all time. Uh... Uh, oh, one last thing, says Minch Columbo Yoda. Minch Yoda is his, is his name, by the way. Uh, <laughs> there's another Skywalker. And then he pieces out. He dies. Uh, and then Obi-Wan shows up to give Luke an intervention. And Luke accuses him of lying. Uh, and Obi-Wan's like, oh, I didn't lie. I just told you the truth from another perspective perspective uh yeah that's lying bro he literally said but it's alternative facts yeah yeah (laughs) he's like if you think about it i didn't lie technically i just kept the truth from you uh fucking obi-wan man he's fucking liar uh 
Obi-Wan is like, I tried my best, but your dad is too fucked up now. Uh, Luke says, hey, they're still good in him. And Obi-Wan's like, nah, you gotta kill him. By the way, you got a sister. Um, and Luke's like, well, there's only one woman in the whole galaxy, so it's Leia. Uh, <coughs> so it's Mon Mothma. There's only one woman in the galaxy, so obviously it's Mon Mothma. Uh, By the yeah, way, so Mon Mothma in, like, the uh Disney shows, she is one hell of a woman. Mon Mothma. MILF energy is all I'm saying. MILF energy is all I'm saying. I do love MILFs. Um Let's see. Uh oh yeah. So Luke is like, oh it's Leia. And everyone's like, yeah, you're right. Does not even try to hide it from him. Doesn't even try to like 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 beat around the bush, be like, it could be he's like, yeah, you're right. Fly. He's like, yeah. Uh, Congrats, job, you guessed it first try. Yeah, I'm you so figured it out, dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, hey, what's the rebellion doing? They're planning a terrorist attack. Uh, there is a squid guy who suggests, like, what's basically a suicide bombing. Uh, Luke shows up and says, hey, I'm down for some terrorism. Uh, and then Luke says, it's poncho time. Poncho, and then Leia Yo, is in the time. Poncho time. Uh, Leia's in the same fit, and they're like, "Well, one of us has to go home and change." Um, and then they get like stuck on the plane. They're like, "Oh, it's too late now. Fuck. <laughs> God, fucking damn it." Uh, let's see. Oh, we get uh one of my favorite lines: "Fly casual." How do you fly casual? <laughs> The Family Guy Star Wars joke where the plane, like, gets up, or, like, the spaceship gets up, and it's, like, has its hands in its pockets. Just whistling. Yeah, like, whistling. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, let's see. Vader and Luke reach out to each other through the Force, uh, and Vader immediately figures out that the Rebels have got, like, a plan. Um, <laughs> he just knows. He's like, yeah. I was there once. Yeah, he, they, like, they, they, like, they, like, touch brains together, and he's like, ah, I know what's happening now. Um, I'm picking up what you're putting down, but I'm putting it higher so you can't reach it. Well, yeah, because he's his dad. That's how, that's how, like, parent, that's how parenting works. Yeah, uh, yeah. Hey, they get to Endor, and they have way more people in that <laughs> ship than I thought. There's, like, 20 people in there? In that tiny ship? How? One of them people speculate is Captain Rex from the Clone Wars. Oh, yeah, I have heard that. Yeah, the bigger the, the, dude with the big white beard. They think that that's yeah. Captain Rex. I like that. I think that's a, an interesting little, like... Yeah. Interesting theory. Yeah. <laughs> Joey knows more about, like, whether... Because I, I, I don't think it actually is. Or maybe it is, or it was, and then they changed it. Or maybe they just don't, like... Maybe nobody knows. Joey knows more about that than I do. But I do remember that, that being a theory. And I like that theory. Yeah, I like that. Uh, hey, uh, they attack two stormtroopers who are trying to have, like, a romantic rendezvous. They're just kind of out in the middle of the woods, like, together, looking at each other. Uh, and then there's also two more who are off to the side just trying to watch. Um, uh, and then there's, like, a high-speed chase. Uh, oh, I said that I want to ride one of these speeder bikes so bad. They look like they're so much fun. Holy shit. Um, yeah. Then Luke commits high-speed murder. 
He like <laughs> uh then Leia commits high speed manslaughter. <laughs> uh Luke and a stormtrooper touch tips and he falls down. Luke is always falling down. He falls down in like every movie he's in. It's true. It's true. Go back and watch him. He falls down in every movie. He's he's just that famous he's just that song by Oasis. What? Wonderwall? No, falling down. Oh yeah, I guess that does make a lot more sense. <laughs> you know that thing. Yeah, Luke Luke's always Wonderwall. falling down, just like that one song. You know, uh, Wonderwall. <laughs> yep, Luke just like that song. Wonderwall canonically. Today is gonna be the. <laughs> um. Let's see. Uh. Oh, he uh, he sends a trooper into a high-speed collision with his lightsaber, and I said, uh, holy shit, I forgot how brutal this movie was. Uh, very violent. Oh, very, very violent. Oh, Han shows up, and he's wearing a poncho now, too, but he wears his poncho like a trench coat. Is it, I thought it just was a trench coat. Maybe it is supposed to. I thought he, like had, like, basically a poncho and was like, I'm not going to wear, like, a poncho. That's stupid. I'm going to wear it as a trench coat. Yeah, I think it just is a trench coat because I think that's, like, what he wears because he gets named, like, Commander, doesn't he? Like, Ground Commander or something? Yeah, yeah. Commander Solo. Uh, let's see. Oh, Leia's missing. Uh, Whoops. Too, I guess, yeah. They, they lose her. Uh, Ewok time! Um... <laughs> Oh, Car- uh, let's see. Leia is with the Ewoks, if you're wondering. Uh, I have to say, uh, Carrie Fisher, again. God, she's got such a nice voice. I love her voice. Um, truly, like, like honestly, a, a, a talent that we've lost. I'm, I'm very sad about it when I think about it. Uh, yeah. And because of, like... And it's always a shame, too, because, like... Because of all, like, the issues that she went through or whatever, she didn't really have, like, as extensive as a career as she probably deserved. <clears throat> oh, yeah. I, I, no, I, I know exactly what you mean, and, and yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off, by the way, Nick. Oh, no, I was just making making the light joke. Moment of silence. It's over. Um, Lay and a teddy, birder, uh, a teddy bear do some murder together. Um... They, they they straight up <coughs> actually commit murder. Like, it's kind of brutal, honestly. I'll fucking um, do it again. Let's see. Oh, add two to the yub yub counter. Um, two to the yub yub counter. Um, the Emperor is just chilling. Uh, and he's like, hey, Vader, go get your brat. I want to talk to him. Uh, Luke and the gang fall for literally the oldest trick in the book and get caught in, like, a net. Um, more Ewoks show up. C-3PO is their god, which is stupid. Uh, you know what's kind of, you know what's funny about, uh, what you said about, like, the oldest trick in the book is, like, old school shit is, like, straight up how you counter a lot of Star Wars stuff, like, uh, Mandalorians have, like, really strong armor or whatever. Um, wait, no, not Mandalorians. I think it's Jedi or whatever, right? Jedi can block laser bolts, right? So the way the Mandalorians deal with them is they just use literal shotguns. 
like projectile shotguns. That that mean because you can't block them to lasers. Shame, load shotgun. Yeah, I mean that's literally like like it's so weird. Like it's and like no joke, it's straight up just like a straight up shotgun. Uh, damn, it's like Vietnam all over again. Uh, let's see. Oh, everyone always talks about how cute they are, uh, how cute the Ewoks are. Um, they literally, uh, want to eat Lucan and Chewie. Like, they're, they're about to roast them over a fire. I feel like everybody forgets that. They're, they're gonna roast some people alive, like. That's, no, that's fine. They're cute little teddy bear men. Uh, oh, Luke makes an orgasm face? That's the only way I can describe it. He, like, he, like, closes his eyes and, like, tilts his head back and, like, his mouth, like, slacks open for a second. And it looks like he's about to... Mo- I tried to get a picture of it. I could not get a good picture of it. <laughs> could you imagine? You're sitting there and, like, your partner walks in and it's just like, D, what are you doing? I'm trying to get a picture Luke orgasming. <laughs> I googled Luke Skywalker orgasm to try to get that picture. What? Hey, let me tell you what. <laughs> oh that no! Not, that picture did not come up. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I had to clear my browser history after that one. Uh, <laughs> I just, I think it's so funny that like you genuinely thought that would. Work. I did kind of actually think it was going to work. I knew there was a risk, but I was like, somebody else had to have thought this right. I can't be the only one. <laughs> um, I guess I was. Uh, by the way, the Ewoks agree to help Vietnam the Empire. They're like, we'll, we'll do a Vietnam on them. It'll be great. Um, Leia says that she remembers her mother. How? PFM. How? What's that? Otherwise, I mean, PFM, otherwise known as the Force. I guess, yeah, that's the only explanation that actually makes any sense. Is that she? I was, mean, she was, like, oh, she was a baby, and like people don't really remember things as babies. But maybe it's just like one of those like ingrained things, like because like her mom died right there. It's like yeah, I just like it's like ingrained in baby me. Like even baby me knew that this was significant in some way. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think this is sort of like a deus ex machina. Oh, the Force did it, I guess. I mean, that's the only- how it is in all of Star Wars, pretty much. Yeah, that's how that's how the Force works. Is when they need it to work, it does. Um, <laughs> like the, like the Force Star. kick? Yeah, Force kick. Um, What'd you say, Nick? Oh, Luke- deus ex Forcena. Deus ex yeah. Forcena? Uh, let's see. Oh, Luke says, you're my sister. And Leia says, I know. I've always known. Uh, many questions. Always? You've always? always known? <laughs> the yeah, whole time? I, yeah, like, even, like, when you made out with him, like, you, you, you always knew? Uh, let's see. And then we get a, we get a romantic B-plot. It's more like a C or a D-plot, honestly. Like, it's so far in the background, you forget about it. Uh, that revolves around basic miscommunication. I hate these. I think we should do away with them. Because Han comes in and, and he, like, Leia's sad. And he's like, what's wrong? And she's like, I can't tell you. 
And Han's like, oh, but you could tell Luke? And it's like, come on, dude. Like, don't be a dick. Um, Why can't uh, she tell him, though? Because uh, if, if she tells him and he tells other people that Vader is their father, it'll, like, get out. And actually, canonically in the comic, I know, I keep saying canonically. Add, like, six to the canonically counter or whatever. Uh, in the comics, that uh, it does get out that uh, Vader is their dad, and it, like, ruins her political career. Mm. Yeah, so. Mm. Um, Imagine getting fucked over like that. Uh... Let's see. Oh, uh, Luke hands himself over to Vader. Uh, and then Vader slash Anakin is legitimately conflicted about whether or not to hand Luke over. That's, I think, a really important bit of characterization for him. Um, we get a hilarious line, uh, that it's backdoor, good idea. Just thought that was funny. Um, let's see. Uh, Han uses tag your it to capture a guy. This is always working on me. This is always working on you. <laughs> yeah, because he like runs up and taps him on the shoulder and then runs away. And instead of shooting him in the back, the stormtrooper follows him. Like, why? I'm just imagining he, Han just taps on the shoulder, tag your it, and the guy's like, "Oh, I love this game." <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh no, he's getting away. Let's see. Uh, oh, uh, Palpy goes extra evil speech mode. Uh, and then he reveals that it's a setup and that the rebels are about to fall into a trap. Uh, we get, oh, uh, we get the sound designer of the movies, these three movies, uh, doing his best impression of the Wilhelm scream. Uh, yeah, uh, he he does a legitimately pretty good job. Good job, guy. Um. Oh, the squid guy shows up again, and he says the thing, you know, like, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's it's a not good situation or whatever. I don't. Remember. It's a dubious um, contraption. Yes. Um. Palpy says, "Do it, bitch. Try and kill me. I dare you. I triple dog dare you." Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, the rebels on Endor get captured. <laughs> and then my next note says, oops, Vietnam.wav. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunate son just starts playing. <laughs> Somebody should edit this so that Fortune son starts playing. Somebody should make, like, a video of, like, Ewoks in a helicopter. <laughs> No, 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 it would be, the Ewoks would be in the trees. Oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot. Then stormtroopers in helicopters, there you go. Some folks are born, made to wave the flag. Yeah, I'd pay to see that. Uh, oh, the Death Star works even though it's not totally put together. It's, it's like, if you, it's like if you started doing, like, Lego Death Star, and you got, like, halfway done. And you were like, yeah, like, the laser thing kind of works. The, like, springy thing works. Uh, and then you decided you were, it was gonna work enough for the thing you wanted to do with it. I call bullshit. 
<laughs> no, no, that's good enough. As long as it can do the beam. Yeah, it needs to do the beam. Uh. Oh, uh, some Ewoks die. Sorry, guys. I know you were emotionally attached to every single Ewok. Oh, no, not Jerry. <laughs> the Ewok named Jerry? No. Can't uh, believe you've done this. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, Luke almost does it. He almost takes Palpy out. He gets pretty close. Um, back down to the planet. The Ewoks are absolutely brutal. They, like, explode a bunch of people. They really love murder. Ewoks love murder. We need to stop thinking about them as, like, cute. They love to do murder. Uh, let's see. Oh, Leia does a war crime. She pretends to be hurt or sick. Uh, to distract an enemy combatant uh, in an attempt to uh, murder them. That is legitimately a war crime. It's like actually a war crime in a real life world. Uh, and so I reported her to uh, the UN. And uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure we'll be seeing trial soon. But like, uh, this isn't world. an official war though. They're terrorists. That is true. And when you think about it like that, yeah, uh, this was like the Clone Wars. Then, you, then yeah, that's a war crime. But like, they're just terrorists. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh oh, we get the start of Luke v Vader number two. Uh, Vader makes some really funny noises when he falls. <laughs> uh, go, go back and watch it. He's like, when he falls in the one scene. It's really funny watching him fall in these scenes because he's just like this big motherfucker and then he's just tumbling around. Uh uh oh, Vader knows Leia is his kid now. Uh yeah, he he can read Luke's mind. He's like, Oh yeah, you've got a sister, and it's Leia. Oh yeah, didn't I torture her once? Um Whoops. <laughs> Rip. Let's see. Oh Luke goes sicko mode. Uh, and, like, just, just starts beating the shit out of Vader with his lightsaber. Vader loses an arm. Um, Luke says he's, uh, he's, he's, he's gonna be a Jedi. He doesn't want to go to the dark side. Um, let's see. Uh, terrorism, terrorism one, complete. Uh, Han did that. Han, Han did that, that part. Uh, we get the start of terrorism two. Uh, electric boogaloo. Palpy. Does some lightning. Uh, it's like his one trick. It's the one thing he's really good at. And he wants to show off, I think. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, we're getting to the end now. Vader turns on Palpy. Uh, I'm going to keep calling him Palpy. It's really funny. Uh, but it kills him in the process. He's Anakin again for a minute. Helmet comes off. Sad moment. Uh, back to back to the terrorism. Terrorism they, too complete. They edit out his eyebrows. When they take off his helmet, uh, in the special editions, they edit out his eyebrows. Oh, yeah. Because he used to have big, thick eyebrows, and they edited those out. Also, they edited in the scene when he picks up Palpatine, where he just goes, No! (laughs) And throws him. It's so good. He's like, No! (laughs) No! Uh... 
we get the start of terror or I'm sorry, we, we get to see the completion of terrorism too. Lando does that. Uh let's see. Oh, Leia is force sensitive for sure. Um Yeah. Uh Leia hits Han with uh, like he's my brother and Han like looks off to the side and like looks confused and he's like didn't you like slip him tongue a movie ago? Uh <laughs> Everybody's wondering, did you know, Leia? <laughs> yeah, she says, I've always known. Like, that's not good, Leia. Leia, no. Why? Uh, yeah, yeah, gross, Leia, gross. Um, oh, we get a, we get the Vader funeral. Uh, there's a croissant jump scare. I don't know what that note means. Croissant <laughs> 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 jump scare. I don't know what that means. <laughs> um, oh, we get the Yub Yub song. Most important song in Star Wars. Um, uh, oh, by the way, uh, his Force Ghost is like young, healthy Anakin. How? Okay, so I asked Joey this question. And he said that according to the canon, the reason why is because the last time Anakin was a Jedi... That's what he looked like. But like, like Sith Force ghosts can exist too. Like they exist in canon. They so do, like, but he's not a Sith Force ghost. He is the Jedi Force ghost of himself. But like he's Anakin again after he kills Palpy. Like when he kills Palpy, he's he's Anakin again. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't think he ever like fully went back to the light side of the Force because he was dying. Interesting. I'm gonna take your word for it. Uh, I mean, there's not really a real, it's just kind of like, it's like the force kick thing. It's like, it's not really an explanation. It's just like, that's what they say. Yeah, George Lucas just made some dumb choices. I think that's the real answer. Uh, he might have gone a little far in some places. Let's see. Uh, let's see. C-3PO is still a god somehow. He's, he's like still the Ewoks god. They haven't realized that he's like kind of useless yet. He's living it up. Uh, he is. Good for him. You know, like, they, they, they hate to see a boy boss winning. You know, like, let, let, him, let him do his thing. Uh, oh, uh, the end. That's it. Well, shit. That's, that's uh, Return of the... Yeah, that's, uh, I, that's the last Star Wars movie. There's no more movies after this. The There's special no edition... at all? The special edition, when they're celebrating their victory, adds a bunch of scenes of other planets celebrating... Uh, including Naboo, where you get Gungan jump scare. Oh yes, yes. Yep. Oh, also, I, thought, uh, I remember. I remember what croissant jump scare is. <laughs> what is it? Coruscant. It's croissant. <laughs> <laughs> what did my notes have it down as croissant? <laughs> 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 croissant jump scare. It's it's, 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 it's croissant. I like that. Yeah. One. Um. So yeah, that's the end of Star Wars. There's no there's no more movies. <laughs> I'm so right? glad that the last thing we know for all of Star Wars is croissant jump scare, and that's it. There's croissant no more movies. They never yep. made another movie again. The end. 
Well, shit. That that is, yeah. you know, the best ending any movie could have. Croissant jump scare. Croissant jump scare. Put that on my tombstone. <laughs> Nobody's gonna get it. <laughs> Here lies D. Croissant jump scare. The fuck? Jump scare. Jokes on jokes on all of us because I'm not ever gonna die. That's yeah. That's a fair point. I I don't know how. I I can't. <laughs> they literally like, won't let me. <laughs> Who's they? Don't. All right. So, uh, so yeah. Uh. So that's it, boys. Sorry, oh. Uh, do we have anything else? I don't think so. I think that's it. Well, we. I. That's we, the end of the friendship trilogy. It's over. It's over. The power go of home. friendship prevailed, but it is time to yeah go home, get out of here. Yeah. All right, Will, we've been Government Lovebot. Uh, I have been Nick. I have been D. And I have been Tyler. Good night, everybody. Good night. Don't forget to polish the Government Lovebot. That's right. Love you. Goodbye. Mm -hmm.